Welcome to Sonic's Flight, the podcast devoted to all things Sonics. Sonic's Flight is a monthly podcast discussing current events, news, and topics of interest to the Sonics community. We aim to entertain and educate builders and pilots of Sonics aircraft designs, inspiring them to complete and operate their aircraft safely and efficiently. Welcome to the Sonics Flight Podcast. This is episode number 59. AirVenture 2019 is coming. AirVenture is less than two months away, and it's time to get busy finalizing our plans for the show. We're going to talk about flying into the show, camping or other lodging options, some of the events that you may want to put on your calendar, and some of the highlights that maybe that we're looking forward to that you might also want to check out. We're going to cover all this and more in our AirVenture 2019 preview. My name is Jeff Schultz, builder and pilot of Sonic 604 and Sonic's 1374. Joining me as always are my two good flying buddies, John Gillis and Gary Motley. John is best known for his many YX customizations and is now deep into the conversion of his project to take his legacy YX up to the latest B-model YX specs. So John, what's the latest on the conversion? Uh, latest on the conversion is uh, the... the I've mated the uh, new fuselage to the empennage and um, <clears throat> starting to put in all the little features. I've hung the engine back on. I've got the new motor mount in the, it's hanging on its gear now and uh, starting laying out things on the firewall and uh, brakes and rudder pedals and all that is going in this weekend. So um, moving ahead. All right. That sounds great. And Gary's coming down. We're uh, he's bringing his uh, Phoenix down, and we're gonna wrap his nice. cowl with some wrap. So just the cowl this weekend. We did the tips, the wing tips and tail tips last weekend. He liked it, and uh, ordered some purple because I don't know why a Phoenix needs purple, but it's purple. Purple is the color of royalty, so you know there is that. Yeah. It. You you do I didn't even think about that, but you're right. It is it's uh it's a royal wrap this weekend for his uh Zenith. Well that's why <laughs> Jeff's the major. Alrighty, and that other voice, of course, is Gary Motley. Gary is a longtime pilot, former CFI and a multi time airplane builder. Gary, uh so from a purely objective standpoint, how would you evaluate John's performance thus far on his wrap on your airplane? Well, careful gary we still got to do your nose i I know at this point of time i i've already committed to 30 days of respect for mr gillis uh as anyone who's paid attention for these news these podcasts the term mr gillis is is a first for me um uh, that being said like i said I, i really do love the splash of color uh, most of it went on pretty well. Uh, we had talked about a couple of little issues that I'm sure he'll be able to look at and probably come up with a, a pretty nifty little fix of it. Uh, but I'm really looking forward to uh, complimenting the cowling out. We're actually going to do it in a two-color, two-step phase. Uh, black for the top, kind of the anti-reflective kind of area, and the rest of it will be kind of a royal purple. So the color scheme basically is, a, is basically pure metal for most of the fuselage. I'm just dealing with the fiberglass pieces, and we put a nice bright yellow on the flying surface tips that were all plastic and fiberglass. And certainly, it just it really makes the thing start to pop now and look a lot more interesting. So I'm really looking forward to it. 
Uh, he ran back out to the airport uh, this afternoon to do add a couple more rib nuts in the cow and you kind of get things flushed out a little bit better and fill up some pinholes that I had when I was trying to initially fit, fit the cowling to kind of get it nice and smooth so it'll accept the wrap in a little bit more of a uh, presentable fashion. But uh, I'm sure John's going to make it look fabulous by the time we get all finished. Oh, excuse me, Mr. Gillis will make it look fabulous. Yeah, Mr. Gillis will be doing this on uh, Saturday morning at 7 a.m. because uh, Gary's going to fly down. I just got the the uh, purple wrap because you know that that's special order stuff because only uh you know people of uh ill repute order that stuff so it's a special order thing <laughs> <laughs> well good i can't wait to see the photos i'm sure it'll look great i'll post them good all right well we've got a number of uh guest segments now these were all recorded previously and we're going to play them and listen to them and we'll do some commentary after the segment is over but we're going to walk through coming to Oshkosh, lodging options, and then we'll talk to Sonics and get their update. So uh, first up is going to be Kip Laurie. But before I do that, I want to just uh, talk about the Midwex Sonics fly-in. So this past weekend down in Fayetteville, Arkansas, we had the, the second year holding it there at Fayetteville. This is the 10th or 11th year for the Midwest Sonics fly-in, but we moved it down to Fayetteville to have uh, Frank and Rick, who have been excellent hosts, and they did a bang-up job this year again. So we had a total of 12 Sonics airplanes that came down, a various mix of conventional Sonics, no B models yet. We had two YX, two 1X that came down, and then we had a Subsonics jet, which made uh, its appearance. And it was just really cool to see everybody there. Uh, Ken Horro brought his, his jet over from Oklahoma, and I think he was just the star of the show. Talk about you know people flocking to him hardly before he could even get shut down. That's exactly what happened. So it was really cool to see him. So we had the normal, uh, you know, kind of gaggle around the airplanes out on the ramp for a couple hours. About lunchtime, we all made our way into the museum building. We had a good uh, kind of a fix-your-own-taco bar lunch. We did a, a short presentation by Ken on his jet. He talked about flying it and building it, some of the, the challenges of incorporating um, unique items, and some of the things that he, as one of the first seven builders, had to kind of go through and solve. So it's cool to hear his, his things there. But it was really neat to hear him talk about all the fun he's having flying it. He said he's the second highest time subsonics pilot right behind Bob Carlton. And he's got 80-some hours on his jet now. He's just, I mean, he's flying it all over the place. And he's got good, hard numbers for performance. It's burning fuel at a rate that is um, better than his projections. So he's getting 17 gallons an hour or so in cruise. He's doing 190 knots true. Uh, and, and he said his sweet spot is around... Eight or 10,000 feet, he flies on oxygen quite often. He said it'll go higher, but he just likes it at that altitude. And he's doing 190 knots at 17 gallons an hour, and he's got about an hour and 45 minutes of easy, easy range. He can, he can push it to two hours with reserve, but he said most of his flying is under 300 miles, and he gasses up, and, and it just it's a, it's a real easy, low-stress type of airplane. So he's thoroughly enjoying it. It's really great to see him do that. Excellent. Jeff, do you think you could do a little better with a speed cow? I, you know, I, I should have asked him about that. I said, you know, I got a guy who can who can squeeze a few extra knots out of this for you. Are you interested? I'll uh, I'll hit him up on email. <laughs> All right. It's kind of funny you talk about the cow, and he mentioned, you know, you have to follow the the manufacturer recommendations for a jet engine, and so PBS says you have to do ten hour oil changes. And he said it's it's really not hard, and it's not expensive. It only holds one quart of oil. 
And, you know, so even if it costs you 10 bucks a, a quart, it's one quart. He said it takes longer to remove the front nose cowl off of the engine to expose the oil tank. Then you get in there and you remove the drain plug and you drain the old oil out. You refill it and you put the cowl back on. The majority of the time is spent just taking off the cowl and putting it back on. It's a half-hour job. He said it's more annoying than anything. And they've been doing regular oil analysis since it was new. And at 10 hours, he said that there is like no trace elements in their oil. You could not tell the old oil from the new oil on oil analysis. And he said that he really would, would like PBS to increase it to 20 hours or 25 hours. They probably won't do it because they're just very conservative that way. But uh, that's a confidence inspiring to know that there's nothing wearing inside that engine. It's just running. That always makes people happy to see Anyway, I tried to talk him into doing a nice flyby, but um, I think he was eager to get home. There was already some thunderstorm activity building, and and uh, he just he took off and he blasted out. And just like you know many other jets, he took off. He did his uh, initially. He started climbing out, and the whole time he was climbing, he was accelerating. So by the time he turned to crosswind and kind of heading off to the so the order the southwest to, to head home, he was already doing you know, I don't know 170, 180 knots. He was just booking. So that was kind of cool. With thunderstorms, I mean, can't he just punch that jet up and go over him like Mike does with his Well, he, uh, he did talk about that, and he said that the airplane is so light, you know, he's under a 1,000 pounds flying. He said that the whole thing just sort of gets moved around everywhere. He said it's not it's not really uncomfortable, but it does kind of get your attention in turbulent air. So it's the equivalent of a napkin in a thunderstorm. I don't think there's anything lighter than he is flying uh, at those speeds. Anyway, so for anybody who missed it this year, uh, we will be back there again in uh, either late May or early June next year back in Fayetteville. So put it on your calendars. It was a good time. And Mike did make it down. He, uh, he, he hopped on a commercial airliner to Tulsa and rented a car and drove down and met us at the, at the, um, the hotel on Friday. We had about 12 people that went to dinner as our pre-Friday night kind of kickoff party. And uh, had some good pizza and watched Isaac put away just an incredible amount of food. If anybody would have betted against him, they'd have lost. They'd have lost big because I think he ate probably, uh, I don't know, probably an entire medium, you know, boutique beef medium pizza on his own. And I had like two slices. And then he, he polished off the remainder of everybody else's pizza. So he just packed that away. And that was after the meatball sub appetizer that we split also. So the boys got skills. Alrighty, so for this episode, the, the main goal behind doing this is to give an idea on what's ahead for the Oshkosh 2019 air show. So we'll discuss getting there, we'll talk about finding your, your lodging arrangements, linking up with other Sonics builders and pilots, and where you might do that on the field, whether it's in the campground, or it's at the events that are kind of Sonic specific, or at the booth. And then we'll just talk about opportunities to enjoy some good camaraderie, not just with Sonics Builders, but with the people around you. We'll get a short update from the factory and a preview on what's new with Sonics Aircraft. And then we'll discuss um, some of the other events that maybe are just on our calendars that we think you ought to take note of. So first up, as mentioned, we're going to listen to Kip Laurie. He's going to tell us about planning a cross-country trip, making the arrival into Oshkosh. For those of you who have flown into Oshkosh before, you probably have your own method and routine for making the trip in. And we're not talking about, you know, the entire trip and how you fly along cross country. We're talking about that last maybe 30 minutes or so coming into Oshkosh. So there's definitely some things you pick up after you've done it once or twice. 
So we've got Kip Laurie here, who has been flying into Oshkosh for years. And I think, Kip, correct me if I'm wrong, you're on your ninth consecutive trip into Oshkosh this year, 2019. It's not quite that simple. I think I did eight in a row. I did eight Sun and Puns and eight Oshkoshes back-to-back. And then, believe it or not, I took a citation on the ninth year. And the next year, I actually did have the YX up again, but it was a very short one-night trip. So let's just say nine out of ten. Okay. Well, that's that's good. So you've got enough experience seeing a variety of times that you're arriving at the airport, weather conditions, traffic conditions. And so I think that you're in a really good spot to kind of talk through your approach to planning your arrival coming into Oshkosh. So with that set up, I'm going to just going to kick it over to you. So what do you like to do? How do you like to kind of frame it mentally to get ready to make the arrival? And then let's peel back, you know, some of the things, getting close, prepping the notum, maybe sure. uh, where you stop and if you have to stop for gas or for diversion, and then uh, once you hit the ground. So I'm just going to kick it over to you and talk us through it. Okay, very good. I must say probably out of the eight consecutive arrivals, the weather was probably good five or six times. So I, I got pretty lucky there. So I did have a couple times where I was holding short, waiting for the, you know, it was maybe a 1500 overcast, maybe a 900 in places and it was a little iffy. I haven't had real big diversion uh, issues, but maybe kind of waited out issues. But anyway, let me say the Oshkosh arrival it may be intimidating, but I find it easier than Sun and Fun. Uh, if, you, if anyone's ever gone to Sun and Fun, and the the reason is, is people actually follow the notum. If you ever go into Sun and Fun, it can be kind of a Wild West situation where people cut in line. Uh, people call the tower and say, "I'm ten miles out and I'm ready to come in." They say, "Have you read the notum?" And the pilot may say, "No, I haven't," and they'll proceed to read the arrival procedures of these people and let them in and i've been yeah i've i've seen that and that just kills me yeah so if you've done sun and fun don't let oshkosh intimidate you because people actually take it more serious and i find it easier i've had a lot more trouble with sun and fun uh but anyway so that said uh also remember you are a show plane if you're flying with your sonics <clears throat> i was flying in one year and they said ada said Airport is closed, uh, traffic saturation, uh, limited parking spaces because of wet conditions, show plane arrivals allowed. That made me feel pretty good <laughs> that I was able to actually uh, continue in because I was a show plane. So Right. And uh, if, you look, if you look at the numbers, um, there's 10,000 airplanes that arrive and 2,000 of them are home-built, and the other 8,000 are miscellaneous general aviation. And so, and maybe some of the, you know, the big stuff. But, you know, we are the minority flying in home-built, and so, yeah, we do. We get kind of priority handling. That's right. And uh, so, use your status if you can. I've come in from different directions. I, one night, I, I, I was going to stage early in Green Bay. I was, fly, I was trying to fly the northern, or the Michigan Peninsula and come in from the north and all this, just trying to check off all my states. I think it was. Um, so I've stayed pretty close um, to be trying to. I was the second one in one year, which was pretty cool. But uh, you can have some morning fog and things like that. If you really want to try to avoid uh, some major hassles, you know, try to be one of the first ones in. That way you can get your tin up early. You can avoid wind 
and uh, beat uh, beat a lot of people in because, of course, you're going to have the pre-air show arrival masses that you don't want to uh, get involved in. I have to say I've never held at Oshkosh either, so I've never had to circle the lakes or anything. Kip, when we talk about coming in early, what are the busy arrival days, and so what is early? Mm. Well, I the Sonics uh, open house on Sunday. For all those years in a row, I pretty much planned my arrival to taxi right to the factory. So it was anywhere from, I well, let's just say 9 or 10 when it started, which is pretty good arrival time. But that year I was the second one into Oshkosh. I actually showed up to the factory and John Monette was kind of moving things around and it was just kind of me and him. He's like, oh, you're a little early, aren't you? <laughs> I said, uh, yeah, but it's it's cool, it's calm, and uh, there's no one out here, so that was okay. I would just uh, So if you really want to uh, shoot for a, a low-stress arrival, um, uh, shoot for early. But as for other days, um, I got into the Cub mass arrival one year which was a mess that's when you don't that's when you lose your priority status when you're cleared to land on runway three six left and all the cubs are coming in and they cancel your uh your arrival sequence or your landing so that that's a possibility look out for the bonanzas the moonies and whatever anniversary year mass flying there is <laughs> if you can and those those arrival times sometimes they shift around a little bit if there's bad weather in the morning and, yeah. and they can't go they'll just bump them an hour or two later and so you think you've you've yeah. planned to arrive after it's all said and done and that may not be the case yeah i was literally cleared to land and they said not anymore i don't think i had to go back out but i think they took me off of one eight and took me over to two seven somehow but um, I was happy to have all the Cubs come in, much more than, let's just say, the Bonanza group. But anyway, um, something to consider if you can uh, stay out of those guys' ways. Um, the arrival, if you look at the notums, which is, what, 30 pages, probably six pages are relevant to you. If you want to narrow it down, I just call it get in line. You're going to follow somebody. You're going to have a runway assignment. And you're going to have a clearance to land. It's four things. The rest is just holding your altitude and holding your speed. Don't be too intimidated by it. That's all you're doing is following somebody and following a couple directions. And all the arrivals all basically start identically. You, you come into the sequence the same exact place. You fly along the same route. And the only difference is when you turn to, to go to which runway. You might turn a little early uh, to go if you're going to land to the north. So you're going to turn on the south side of the field. Or you might fly up to the north side you know, and turn later. That's it. And, and the guy in front of you is doing the same thing. So just listen to the controller and follow the guy in front of you. And you know, you're 90% of the way there. Right, and what you're talking about, Jeff, right there is the transition uh, from listening uh, to rock your wings. Okay, there you are. Then they give you the assignment, the arrival assignment. And for all you tail dragger pilots out there, you may not – there's going to be a wind. It's, it might be 90 degrees to the runway you want. I've noticed the approach controllers, they, the idea is to not talk if you don't have to. But if you're a tail dragger – and the winds are from 360 at 12, and they assign you 27. Just tell them you need three six, uh, runway 36. 
and they're they're pretty good about saying um, you got it, or they're pretty good at looking at you in those binoculars and seeing your tailwheel and giving you uh, the runway that's that favors the wind the most. But just remember, you have the option there. Um, even though they say don't talk, rock your wings. They always call me yellow. I'm orange, but they say yellow Sonics. You know, if they give me the wrong one way, I, I've chimed in and said, hey, can I have this? Oh, yeah, yeah, sure. And I've heard them actually say, oh, tail dragger, do you want this runway? And they'll, they'll come back and say yes. So don't put yourself in a huge crosswind situation uh, with those guys. That's an option. Um, let me let me add this. Uh, also, if you have a passenger with you, put them to work. There's a lot of confirmation of your paperwork in terms of routes, frequencies, altitudes, and speeds. It could be a lot of head down time. If you got a passenger, have their head down, checking all those things. Uh, there's kind of a critical tower frequency handoff, two different frequencies. And these approach controllers are going to relay those frequencies a thousand times in one day. If they get it backwards, which I've heard, it could be a real mess if you're monitoring the wrong frequency for your clearance to land. So use your passenger to confirm. And, of course, keep uh, when they're not head down looking out for traffic. But they can take care of a lot of um, crew. It's crew coordination, which I use a lot. When I'm flying left seat at work in, in this, these work planes, I just sit there and tell the, ask, tell the guy what I want, and he's supposed to do it. And that can be a really useful thing um, if you have a passenger. Kind of brief them, and, and uh, you don't want to be that guy that makes people do a bunch of uh, rerouting and go-arounds at Oshkosh. So um, put them to work. Um, my last flight up last year, I was on a right downwind for 2.7. I was cleared to land, and there was a really aggressive yak pilot that thought he'd kind of come around me to the left. And after I was cleared to land, they extended my downwind right at the last second. Um, and I had to turn 90 degrees back out over the lake and have this guy, I guess he came around and landed on the left parallel. But so. The lesson is be ready for last-minute changes. And probably the most harrowing thing I've done at Oshkosh in, in the air is do the uh, base to final turn uh, when they're saying keep it tight, keep it tight, keep it tight. And you have a real big tailwind, and you can just kind of feel the plane get pushed around and you're right at your limit. You're trying to impress the controller. He's wanting these tight turns. Just be real careful right there because there's been some stalls and spins, Lancers, Malibus. Those are just the ones I've heard about. And I actually felt like I was kind of on the edge one year trying to get these, uh, impress these guys, not impress, but give them what they want for traffic separation. Yeah, you feel like it's it's your part. You know, you need to do your part of this and and right. be a good team player. And so you put this stress on yourself to comply. Yeah, just if your airplane starts shuddering, you're taking it a little too far. 
Right. <laughs> yeah, Kip, I have heard that. Actually, um, I think probably every year I've been there, it's the same thing. The the people start flying. They, they, they're not used to flying that close to the traffic in front of them. And so they want to give themselves a little extra time. So they extend their downwind. Pretty soon they're way over the lake and the controllers are going, you know, stop going over the lake, you know, keep it tight, keep it tight. And that just, uh, you know, people are not, they're not really in the right mode. And so that's when they start to get into problems. Yeah, you may practice some of these tight patterns. Um, but what you got going for you is a relatively high down get what it is. It might be like 800 AGL and you're doing a really tight pattern. So what you've got is altitude at your disposal. So if you start making these tight turns and final, just put the nose down. Usually it's also turn it in and you're, you're on base looking at the threshold. Right. You know, kind of. And then they still might want you to land as short as possible after that. Right. Might, that's not a long landing. So it's it doesn't have to be intimidating, but um, let's just keep in mind you're loading a turn. It's like I don't know if you could add up any more kind of bad potential uh, elements of stall spin there. And, uh, yeah, Kip, your uh, your point is the well made. Ultimately, you have to make the final call. And so, if the controller is asking you to do something because it's convenient for him and the and the big picture. Uh, you can try to 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 along with that, but you're going to have to be the adult to say, or I can't do that, or I need to ask for something different. And yeah. nine times out of ten, you'll get what you want. And in that one last remaining time, they'll just send you out and they'll resequence you right back around. And minutes flying around the pattern again, you come back in for another shot at it. But they won't know that unless you tell them and you ask them. Right. And you might you might not know that you're getting in over your head until you've actually begun the maneuver. It might be rare if you go, uh, if you're on downwind thinking, eh, I don't like this. I'm going to start that turn and go, wow, this is uncomfortable. There's that guy in front of me. There's that guy to the left of me. And you're already in the turn. So you got to think, how am I going to get out of this? Which, of course, would just be a, kind of a go around on the runway heading. But the point is that you might be, you might not see this bad situation until you're kind of halfway in it. Mm -hmm. So, again, not to intimidate, but go out and practice some tight patterns and not left patterns, right patterns. A lot of airplanes right. are sent on the right downwind for two seven. Yeah. So your pilot's cranking right kind of blind to the runway, maybe not in our bubble equipped sun X's so much, but in the Cessna, you know, things going to be blanked it, out. Right. And we don't do that very often. You don't fly right patterns very often. Right. Right. So, um, there's something to consider and, um, just be ready for anything. And then, uh, once you're on the ground, it's not over because they want you off that runway and you're at the mercy of everybody else that might be right at their limit of not flying ability, but from day-to-day -day experience. You know, These guys are on the edge and you might find somebody overshooting the dot they're supposed to be on or off the runway center line or you know, go on YouTube and you'll see ground loops. It's like, wow, I'm glad I wouldn't off the first one off the runway with that guy or he's coming right at you. So, Yeah. Kip, do you tend to uh, to make your fuel stop uh, a little ways away, or do you just sort of, you know, make sure you have enough reserve fuel and just come on in? Uh, shoot, I usually shoot for about a 50-mile um, radius. Uh, it doesn't have to be a mile thing, but try to be topped off and fly no less than 30, uh, 30 minutes. I mean, there's plenty of fuel from there, but um, not only do I think of that staging point as just a place to get a bunch of fuel, but to do a final rundown of 
the arrival, just one last look uh, with the busy experience of flying too. You could have done it in the hotel room the night before, but now you're now you're right there, and now you know what the weather is, you know what the winds are, and also you'll have other pilots at that airport hanging out too. Someone could have said, "Yeah, I just checked ATIS. It's it's a little low for me," or um, I heard there's the runway's close. You can get a lot of information right there from other people hanging out too, mm-hmm. and so. Yeah, it's just you for about 50 miles with, with our fuel and these things. Uh, that's about right. You're going to fly 20 or 30 minutes, and then and then you land with enough fuel to not have to try to flag down a, a Basler truck, and you can still get out of there with plenty. So, Yeah. I had one year where um, we got sent into the Green Lake hold, and we didn't know it was coming. It's not like we took off and the thing was closed. Everything was going fine, but what we didn't know is the controllers were trying to get the last of a mass arrival in, and we didn't we didn't know what the timeline was. And they told us, hey, we're going to put you in the hold, but it's only going to be a few minutes, and we'll get you out as soon as we can. So we all kind of dutifully entered the hold. Well, a few minutes turned into 45 minutes, and the hold was getting pretty darn full. Then they finally opened it back up, and it was 30 minutes, you know, away to my fuel stop, and I've been holding for 45 minutes, mm. and I'm below a half tank. You know, how, how long can I go dork around in this, in this arrival where the, the floodgates have been thrown wide open and now everybody's coming? Right. So, it, you know, having a full tank of gas, that's, that's not that big of a deal. But if I was already at a half a tank of gas, you know, yep. I'd be in the hold thinking, do I keep gambling that they're going to, they're going to let me go any second or do I just break out and go somewhere and gas up again? You can eliminate yep. that by gassing up, you know, proactively. Yep. That's, there's something to be said for that taking off topped off certainly so kip uh when you're in when you're in the the arrival you know um what are what are like the top things that make it go easy for you you know we, assuming that you've read the notum and you know the the ground checkpoints just uh, kind of what's going through your head what would you brief your passenger while you're making that last you know 10 or 15 miles maybe just uh watch out for anybody overtaking us there seems to be a few that still like to overtake. Uh, you can have the you know the faster route above you, no problem. But I've I've had people more at Sun and Fun, but I think there was one instance at Sun at Oshkosh where all of a sudden someone's kind of at your quartering, you know, like the five or seven o'clock position, kind of wanting to pass you. An eye out for people doing unusual things. But I have had very little problem with uh, just following the guy in front of me and. You'll find that the altitudes and speeds are 20%. You know, you have experimental altimeters and experimental airspeed indicators, but all of a sudden you things just seem a little off. But just fly what you think is about average where you should be. And uh, I've had very little problem getting sequenced and then talking to approach. And uh, yeah, it's been been easy. I don't I don't have too much to add other than that. It's been kind of like as the notum says, and, and people people follow the rules. Now, it's of fun. I can say, uh, you're supposed to turn left and head towards the blue terminal building, and the guy was following kept going right down the interstate. <laughs> right. You know, so I turn, le- I turn left and let him do his thing, and, of course, 30 seconds later, he turns left, and now we're flying in, in, uh, in formation headed towards the same spot. And, but I have right. not had that at Oshkosh, and uh, so – but you might have to adjust – you know, I've been number one. Nobody in front of me is like, okay, I'm going to go a little faster just to. So if anybody's behind me, there won't be any any gap. Or I, 
had to adjust there. So it's fluid. it's very fluid. Just use common sense. But like I said earlier, all you're doing is getting in line and waiting for your next instruction, which is pretty basic. Fly to this runway. Mm-hmm. They'll clear your land. Yeah. Okay. Well, what about after you make your landing and um, you're going to land at whatever runway you were assigned and they always tell you the same thing, turn left into the grass as soon as possible. So you get off into the grass and then you have to kind of like mentally get oriented, like where am I and where do I want to go and how do I, how do I tell that for someone maybe who hasn't done it themselves? The biggest concern I have after landing <laughs> as a Jabiru 3300 operator with a Sonex cowling is my CHTs. I have had problems where all my cylinder temperatures go into the yellow, and that's that's my biggest concern. And I'm sure after about 10 minutes, they'll probably start getting to the top of the yellow, maybe near red. And I've had to shut down before and, and wait it out because of long taxes. But uh, actually, I've had pretty good luck. Uh, most of the time, like I said, I'm going to the Sonics factory. And we put up our East T hangers thing, and they know when a when people at Oshkosh know when the Sonics comes in, they either go into Sonics parking or the factory. And I've had really good marshallers send me that way, so I've had very little confusion on the ground. But that's a good point, though, because you just if you have the right sign and and you understand what the marshallers are looking for, uh, you can communicate really easily with with your signs. So you're either going to home built camping or you're going to the Sonics uh, booth parking area, or you're going to the Sonics factory over at the East T hangers. So just kind of thinking that through, maybe getting your signs all lined up in the right order at your fuel stop. So you're not digging around through a folder that slipped between the seats, you know, when you arrival, just having that prepped in advance. Get your uh, sign out. It can be a juggle, but that should have been done. You know, it's either in your right seat if you're solo or your passengers have that. and You just ask for the sign you want to your co-pilot. But uh, mm-hmm. that is an issue. That it's not a hard issue, but it's it's that's a planning thing. Hey, yeah. where's my where's my HBC sign? Bring that up. And but the the marshallers are great. Never an issue there. Very direct, efficient routing right to where you're going if you have the right sign up. Right, and if you need to do something unusual, it might be just as easy just to pull up by the marshaller, shut down your engine, pop your canopy and say, hey, guy, here's what I'm trying to do. They'll have a quick chat. He'll radio it and they'll figure it out yeah. amongst themselves and then tell you, OK, we got it. And, you know, follow the flagman and, and they'll take you from there. Not unheard of at all. I think I've had to do that once. And it may have been a new guy. I was trying to get over to the factory, Sonic's factory, and he, he couldn't figure it out. And, and as soon as I told him, he knew exactly where it was and sent me on my way. But, uh, yeah, yeah, that'll work. Okay, Kip. The last thing I want to hear about is um, what all do you pack in the airplane when you're when you're coming? Not so much your your show supplies and your camp gear and all that. Yeah. Just the stuff for making the trip. Okay, I've got a I've got a couple suggestions on that. Um, oil. I know my airplane burns about my engine Jabiru thirty three hundred uses about an ounce an hour. Some of it goes by the rings, and some of it goes into the separator, and some of it goes elsewhere. But I know it's about an ounce an hour. So if I fly two hours, what I use is the K&N squeeze bottle where you, you have the little eight ounce bottle with the, with the little squirt top. And I fill that up with eight ounces. And instead of having to get a, of having to get a funnel out and when it's windy and starting to pour oil, I just pull out my little eight ounce squeeze bottle and squeeze two ounces in for two hours of flying. But it's, it's been pretty reliable. And 
it's a quick and easy way to add some oil. And that's a whole lot more convenient than trying to um, carry a whole quart around and a funnel because those funnels, you know, they're always dirty. So what do you do? You clean them up or do you toss them out and get a new one? Carry freezer bags. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Because even – I like the bottle. Yeah. Even if you go to altitude with this K&N bottle that seems to hold K&N filter oil very well, it will still – when it feels the pressure, you know, I've been to 11,500 feet going over Chicago. There will be some seepage. So just put all your oil stuff in. Take three or four freezer Ziploc bags to put this stuff in because it's going to get messy. And uh, use uh, paper towels from the FBO bathrooms to clean, clean what kind of wipe things down as you do it. But it is a quick and easy way to squeeze. It's a graduated amount, two ounces, squeeze, squeeze. You're good to go. Um, quick and easy for oil. For tools I use, I just take all the tools required to get down to get down to the spark plug level. So by that time, you're talking about some screwdrivers for your cowl, maybe a hex wrench to release the little hex bolts that hold the top of the baffle on. It's the the valve covers on the jabiru, and of course the spark plug tool itself. Luckily, I've never had to get that far down. Um, but I would suggest that last year I kind of went on a limb. I thought, wow, I've done. 1,100 landings, 250 different airports. What? Imagine what would happen if I would have had a, a punctured tube, a flat tire. You'd have to order a, tire, a tube, have it sent. How many days would it take to get there for this stupid little tube? So last year, I actually put a built-up. I keep two built-up tires uh, at my hangar just so I can do a quick swap when I change tires. I just took one with me, and it was heavy. And I hauled it all around. I thought, "I'm, you know, this is I'm going to be winning if I have a flat tire, and it takes me seven minutes to put the new one on." Right. <laughs> it never happened. It never happened. I, and I thought, "I've never had a flat tire in this thing." Um, possibly something to consider if you're flying around with no passenger, because, like I said, it weighs about feels like six or seven, or eight pounds. It's pretty heavy. But maybe something to consider because it could be the difference of getting right back on the road or maybe sitting for a day or two waiting for a Azusa uh, tube. Right. Uh, but anyway, did that last year. Didn't need it. Um, I'm going to put some miles on it here in the next few weeks. Will I grab it again? I don't know. Depends on how lucky I feel. But uh, – Canopy cover is always in my airplane. Even if I end up 10 miles from my home airport and the battery's dead or something, I'm there overnight and have to Uber home, I'm still going to put a cover on it. For the price of two pounds in my baggage area, it never leaves my airplane. Maybe overkill, but uh, it's not that heavy. So, yes, that's uh, the... The cover's a must. I mean, if it rains, let's face it, and you don't have a cover on it, you're uh, – Yeah, and, and that's something that, you know, it's it's going to rain at Oshkosh. It rains every year at least one day. So most of the time our planes spend their entire lives in a hangar, and then all of a sudden they get shoved outside. So you got to be ready for that kind of stuff. Certainly, and not just uh, at Oshkosh, but anywhere. Um, if you're not at home and at your home airport, you're visiting – uh, 
your friends 50 miles away and it rains, you, you know, you don't want a bunch of, a bunch of water, go, uh, saturating your airplane. But, um, yeah, so I, I always keep it, in, in, uh, my Bruce's custom cover in the back there. Okay. Well, um, what other last minute sort of, uh, lessons learned have you picked up over the last 10 years that you think would be helpful? Uh, have outs, um, weather diversion outs, um, maintenance issues. It's, that's, that's, that's a judgment call. You know, how reliable has your airplane been? Is it, is it a real roll of dice? I'm doing a condition inspection right now. I just, I like to have my airplane in a condition where I say I can fly it to California tomorrow. I think it's reliable enough and that's, that's kind of my test. And, um, Fortunately, I haven't even had to put a new cylinder on it. I've just turned over 800 hours. Uh, I got a couple cylinders getting a little low in the compression. They're probably reaching their their limit. Uh, but ask yourself, would you fly your airplane a thousand miles tomorrow? What are your? Is anything loose? Is anything leaking? Uh, be honest with yourself, and you know, have an adventure, but don't make it too much of an adventure. Uh, and you, you should know it, especially if you built it. You should know it. You should know what those little things are that could be like, eh, things getting a little close. Let's just go ahead and replace it. So just just best, best judgment kind of things. And uh, if you're building right now, build towards, take those extra few minutes to do something, to make something uh, just right or reliable or easily accessible, and it will pay off multiple times in the future You're right. you spend, if you spend 30 minutes to make a system where you can access something easier put a hinge on something with it it releases with a pin versus 12 screws those kind of things can make the difference between checking something that you should versus oh, i'm gonna let that go because that's a real pain to get in there and do that and you know, those things can kind of add up i guess my my last bit of advice is just Best judgment, which is pretty generic, but if you just bought a used Sonics, you might be a little bit in over your head on what this thing needs. Or, but if you built it, you you know if it's good to go. Well, that's good advice, and it's helpful just to kind of hear your thought process. Uh, certainly, it comes across in listening to you. You certainly have enough experience that you're very comfortable with the trip, and um, I like your point about don't be intimidated. Get prepped in advance. Kind of walk yourself through it. Use your passenger to make your life easy, and then just get in there and do it. And I just remembered, watch YouTube videos. <laughs> you can you can search Oshkosh arrival. And you get you can watch the whole Fisk arrival from almost any airplane you want, Cessnas to home builds, and you'll hear the the ATC interaction with the pilots. And I think if you watch three or four of them, it'll just be like. You've already done it once. Right. Yeah. So that's that's a nice that's a nice asset now. Yeah. I my first time coming into Oshkosh, um, th- flying in, I flew with another pilot uh, in their airplane. And I thought, oh yeah, this is good. I can kind of ease into it. And after actually, you know, flying in the right seat, I thought, yeah, this really wasn't intimidating at all. You know, right. it, it would not have been hard to skip that whole step and just go straight to making the arrival. Now, certainly, you can increase your comfort factor by getting your head in the game early and all that, but don't avoid doing it because you think it's a little bit overwhelming. It's really not. 
Yeah. Now you should be a little nervous because that's respect. That's respect for the procedure and the fact that things could go a little off, but just like a lot of other flights, you know, if uh, a little nervousness is, is good, but you need confidence with a little nervousness and uh, just doing your homework and it's very rewarding. Everyone needs to do it at least once, especially in your home build. All right. Well, good advice, Kip. Uh, I'm looking forward to, to seeing you at Oshkosh and, and uh, getting together uh, at the barbecue. It's going to be a good show this year. Yes, sir, Jeff. I appreciate it. And thanks for doing the podcast. It's a very great asset to the Sonics community. Thanks, Kip. And we'll see you soon. Okay, Jeff. Thanks. Okay, so we just heard from Kip about making the arrival, and I think that was some good advice. Uh, John, Gary, anything you guys would like to add? Well, one thing I'd like to say, I want to jump on top of Gary because uh, I I can't. Last year, uh, it became real apparent. Mike and I were coming in um, with uh, a fleet of, we actually had a flight of four. We had Carl and his Nan Chang. We had uh, another uh, WayX with us, and then Mike and I. And it was really crowded coming in because it was bad weather and they finally opened up the, the pattern and we were, <clears throat> were charging in Mike. And I think we got priority treatment because we went in as a flight of two. And so I just snuck underneath Mike's wing and uh, Mike did all the radio calls and they, they treated us like two airplanes. And I think you get a little priority treatment and we actually got through they sent the plane in front of us and behind us around the pattern again uh, so that we, cause they knew that they could land us. And uh, I think that's, if you are comfortable flying as a flight um, going in as a buddy, you know, right behind someone else, it, it's, it's a really great way to get in. Yeah, that's a good technique. They talk about, you know, no formation, no mass arrivals, but a flight of two is, doesn't really qualify as either of those. And it's a good way to kind of, you know, add a little efficiency and make it easier on both of you guys. Now, the one thing we did have is uh, we, we were, Mike and I were coming in, you know, <clears throat> we, we separated a little bit more as we came in on final. Um, and uh, we had a... Uh, some sort of a private jet come in behind in front of us on IFR. And I noticed Mike get really ba- uh, bobbled with the, uh, the uh, ground turbulence from it. And so both of us are, are kind of really getting wobbly right on the, on final. And uh, we both kind of got shut down and, and got it down on the ground, but uh, it was a little exciting to watch uh, Mike bounced around quite a bit. Yeah, the separation is definitely going to be tighter than anywhere else, so you really got to pay attention to that kind of stuff. But they do, once you land and you're rolling out, you know, you're within uh, 50 feet of your your flight partner. Um, they route you off onto the grass together, and you just kind of parade out, and we never separated. So we're always a, a tight crew. Okay, Gary, uh, what were you going to add? Well, yes, sir. I always like to go back to the basics in this. Uh, again, we're talking about you're doing something that's typically outside the normal purview of most pilots when they fly patterns. Uh, Kip alluded to a right-hand pattern, which is something good to do. Uh, again, I always try to break it down farther than that. If we're just talking about the flying skills itself, you need to be very, very comfortable with, with slow flight maneuvers. 
uh, to be able to know what your aircraft feels like without necessarily having to look at your airspeed indicator, to know when you're on the verge of, of losing control of the aircraft. Uh, it'll be very easy to, to bleed off speed rapidly when you're doing bait, uh, tight base to final turns and you're trying to watch traffic and you know your eyes are outside looking for everything else and trying to judge, as John just said, uh, uh, dealing with uh, vortexes from previous aircraft, especially if they're larger and faster and heavier. Uh, so really do practice your slow flight skills uh, prior to you get there again, just as a brush up again, and maybe some, some near power off stalls as well. Uh, the other things I really like to prep for, uh, we talk about the NOTAMs, and I, I keep harping on those again as well. Be sure you absolutely have the NOTAMs with you. You can get them electronically. You can get them in printed form. Uh, if you get them in printed form, take a highlighter. Identify the really highlights of what you need to do. The arrival at risk, uh, at rusk, at fisk, uh, the railroad tracks, the, the general entry procedures, uh, the frequencies required. Uh, next thing at first, advanced planning. If you have the capabilities in some of your comm radios to store frequencies, look while you're on the ground before you ever leave for Oshkosh. Spend an hour or so in your plane with the panel fired up and start plugging all these frequencies into the radio. So all you have to do is basically just turn the knob once and have it identified. It's very, very easy to miss just one single number while you're in a chaotic environment and then you're, you've lost comms with everybody and you don't know what's going on and they don't know what you're doing as well. Uh, so radio communication set up ahead of time. If there's a way to do it, I really do encourage doing that as well. Um, again, Kip, and you had mentioned as well, if you're ever uncomfortable with doing something, simply don't do it. Just say unable, uh, even if it's supposed to be a no communication, anything that's safety related, uh, that rule goes goes out the window, so communicate as you need to to maintain safety of yourself and, and others as well. And that would be pretty much it for the arrival part. The only other thing John kind of talked about, the ground, too. Uh, remember, these Sonics just sit very, very low to the ground, and once you start trying to head to the grass, uh, it's very easy to lose sight of those taxiway lights. And uh, I have to say, unfortunately, the ground controllers are not necessarily looking for ground-based uh, obstacle clearance for your aircraft. And if you're a tail dragger on top of it, it can make for a problematic experience. Uh, so take the time to really be able to scout out what's ahead of you before you just whip right off the runway. Otherwise, you might be snagging something you weren't anticipating. Yeah, and and, and anticipate. They're going to ask you to, to exit that runway very quickly, and it will not be at a taxiway. So you're going to go across the grass. Gary, I think that's a good point because – you're going to feel a sense of, of wanting to comply and get along and do your part and all that. But at the same time, you still have to be the ultimate authority. You are the pilot in command. You have to make the final decision. And if something's not right, you just got to pre-program into your head that, hey, I'm going to do, I'm going to do what I can. But at the end of the day, I'm going to do what I have to to stay safe. And just remember, say the magic word, unable, and that will uh, get you the cooperation that you need to do what you need to do. And they will adjust around you. If you're, if you decide you can't get off that runway and you have to take the full uh, taxi down it, they will send people around, around you. They won't be happy about it, but they will send them around. They will be safer about it. Okay. Any other uh, last minute additions or if not, then I think we'll move on. All right. All right. Well, next up, we're going to hear from Wayne Daniels and he's going to talk about camping at his seventh heaven Oshkosh airport house. 
So here's Wayne. Many of the options for coming into AirVenture and and staying at the show revolve around camping. And most of that camping is done on the field. But one of the other options that's out there that some people know and, and absolutely love, but not everybody does, is that we have an ace in the hole right on the grounds of the Oshkosh Airport. And that is Wayne Daniels with his 7th Heaven Airport house. So Wayne, tell us a little bit about what is 7th Heaven, where are you located, and then let's uh, let's transition to the point where we can kind of lay out all the goodness that people might be able to take advantage of. Sure. We're on the southeast corner of the airport. We have been since the fall of 2003. We're on Taxiway Delta, which is the Alpha 4 extension about halfway between Basler Turbo and the runway. So we're probably, I don't know, 100, 150 yards from 1836. The back of my hangar faces the runway. And uh, when I started building my Sonics back in 2002, and we moved here in 2003, uh, we decided, hey, it'd be fun to, you know, because we've got a a pretty good sized house. It's a five bedroom and there's only two of us living here. Maybe we ought to open up to some Sonics builders. So that's what we did. We just put out a, a note on, I don't remember, I think it was the uh, Yahoo site at the time, or the Yahoo forums at the time, and uh, said, hey, anybody interested in you know, either uh, taking a bed in one of the rooms upstairs or pitching a tent out in the yard uh, amongst the airplane noise? Come on, we'll we'll see what happens. So we, we put that note out and... Got a bunch of folks, and uh, so typically we have, uh, oh, I don't know, 12 to 17 people stay with us at some point during the week. Not everybody is all week. Some are the early part of the week, some are the end of the week, and some all week. It's been a lot of fun. Yeah, and for anybody who hasn't been there and and maybe doesn't have a good mental image on on where your house actually sits, if you Mm -hmm. were sitting show center watching the main air show, you're kind of looking to the east at the main runway and the air show act. If you were to look at kind of a 45 degree angle off to your right, kind of looking south of the field, you would see a group of trees and kind of where Basler is on that far south side. And that's where seventh heaven is located. Right. Typically, if you, if you walk down the, the runway, walk down toward the ultralight area. Uh, in fact, if you get it to the red at the red barn in the ultralight area and look straight east, you'll see a hangar that says cloud nine. Well, if you go another hundred yards, you'll find seventh heaven. And that's, that's how the seventh heaven name came about. We moved in and that hangar was named cloud nine. We said, well, shoot, if he's on cloud nine, then we're in seventh heaven. So there it is. (laughs) That's the story. (laughs) Yeah. Now, um, during the show, it's very difficult to move across the field because it's 24-7 activities on the runway and all that. Right. Um, so there, there's two things. If you're going to drive from the main showgrounds area, you kind of have to go around the perimeter of the airport. So you you, right. you you exit the campground or you exit parking or wherever you are. And you get right. on the main flow, you go all the way kind of around, and you come in on, on the side over by the lake. Right. Now, if Correct. you're in a plane and – the airport is still open for movement operations and all that. It's substantially mm-hmm. easier. You just jump in and taxi to the main runway and tell tell the ground that you want to taxi to, uh, what is it, Delta 4 or Alpha 4? Alpha 4 or Delta. Typically, uh, if you tell them you want to go to 7th Heaven or taxiway Delta or uh, Basler Turbo or Fox Valley Tech, um, they can steer you that general direction. And then once you're on Delta, it's it's easy to find us. 
Yeah. So if you're if you're moving around, and I, I don't know that I would jump in the plane. It's just a quick way to drive over there. But if you're right. moving around, it's real easy to, to pull up right next to your hangar. And, right. And I've done that myself, and it made it really convenient. Right. Right. Okay, so that's where you are. That's um, that's kind of how you got started. Let's talk about you know why somebody might want to come stay with you guys. Well, we're right under the airplane noise. <laughs> under is right. You know, uh, yeah. During yeah. the uh, during the air shows, during the arrivals, uh, especially during the night air show, uh, you don't right. look out to see airplanes. You look up to you see look airplanes. Up. <laughs> you look straight up. Yeah. T- well, typically. See, uh, well, the FAA requires that all of the uh, performances during the air show itself are all to the east of the runway. And so when they're to the east of the runway, we're directly underneath that path. And they usually make their turns, I mean, like right over the top of my hang. I, th- I think they use that as a, a target. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, Wayne, uh, we were watching one of the shows. I forget whether it was last year or maybe the year prior, but that's the year they had all those B-25s doing their circuit. Uh-huh. And right. and that was the, the corner turnaround point for that whole routine. And that was just right. a wonderful perspective on watching those planes. Right, right. Yeah, We've, we've had times when uh, some of the, the older Army helos uh, – would make their turns right over us and there'd be guys hanging out the door and we'd wave at them. They'd wave back and it's uh, it's a unique position. Yeah. So great place to watch airplanes, uh, including the night air show. And that Mm -hmm. dovetails perfectly into the other big activity, which you host there at your house, which is the Wednesday night Sonics builder barbecue and tell a little bit about that. Well, one year, we were at the uh, the foundation meeting over behind the Sonics tent. I said to Robbie, uh, "Well, they were they were talking about you know maybe some time hosting or having some sort of a a cookout for for the Sonics bunch." And I looked at Robbie and I says, "Hey, why don't we do it over here and watch the night air show on Wednesday night?" And he says, "Wow, what a great idea!" <laughs> so that's uh, we we that's where it was launched and. Uh, uh, it is just seemed to work out great. Yeah. And you know, you and Kathy are very generous to open up your house and your hangar and put up with 50 to a hundred people traipsing around and do it in good cheer. You know, we, as the, as the recipients of your hospitality, I hopefully, I, I hope that we make it easy on you guys and we don't leave you with a mess to clean up, but really appreciate you guys doing that. And we want to keep supporting you guys to make it easy to invite us back next time. <laughs> well, if if we had any misgivings, we wouldn't be offering it back up again every year. So uh, feel welcome, please. Good, good. Yeah, so um, we do uh, the Wednesday night barbecue, which we get a good perspective on the uh, the night air show. And they usually do um, one of the big pyrotechnics displays or the wall of fire. The, the Saturday night air show uh, is the other big night air show. Uh, right. And I suppose people that are camping there also have a great perspective. There's nothing formalized by the Sonics Foundation uh, that right. late in the week. Right. But um, right. It, just a, a great way that if you want to come into the show and, you know, whether you're driving in or, or you're commuting in with somebody else or it doesn't really matter. But mm-hmm. uh, you want a a place to operate out of that is a little bit more hospitable than uh, a Walmart tent out in the yeah. campground. Uh, right. That's a great option. You know, you've got indoor rooms that are available. You've got camping in the yard. There's bathroom facilities, and it's just a generally a really relaxed pace camping there with you guys. Yeah, it's uh, 
I don't know how to how to explain it, but uh, it, it's just a lot of fun with all people of the like mind and and uh, you know after the uh, daily afternoon our show we like to sit around the campfire at night and spill a beer and tell a couple of lies and uh, rehash uh, the day's activity and what everybody found and what the you know what they're still looking for that somebody else may have found and and uh, it's it's just a good time to sit around and shoot the ball. Yeah, and the campfire I think is um is a good way to to wrap up the afternoon. Mm-hmm. Uh, dinner is done, the day's kind of starting to 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 come to a conclusion and um you get to sit around and maybe have a a glass of uh fine spirits and maybe a cigar <laughs> and tell some more stories. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Well, that's good. So, Wayne, what is the best way if somebody's interested, how do they reach out to you and, and work out the details? Easiest way, um, I prefer, you know, so rather than somebody calling, I prefer email. That way I can uh, keep a log of everything. Okay. And what email address should they use? My personal email is W-E-D-A-N-444, like my N number is 444, at net. Okay, good. And I'll put that email in the show notes as well so you can find it there. Sure, sure. Okay, well, uh, yeah, if anybody is um, is looking for accommodations, it's a great yeah. time. And the only thing you miss out by being on the other side is uh, listening to the SOS Brothers blasting live music <laughs> until 1 o'clock in the morning. So if yeah, you like yeah. that, you might miss out. If you don't like it and you want to get some sleep, well, I'll just leave it to your own judgment. And and I've never taken that, that opportunity to listen to them. So <laughs> I want to beat the traffic and, and get home and, and – uh, just sit and relax and enjoy a beer, watch the show from my comfort in my backyard. Yeah, well, that, that's great. And Wayne, I guess I want to make one final pitch, and that that's for the barbecue. So uh-huh. Robbie is, uh, he has sent out the invites. He uses mm-hmm. an online invite system. Right. He sent out those invites good. based on people who have gone in the past. Mm-hmm. And you can find a link to that on the sonicsbuilders.net forum. Uh, he'll, he'll make sure that, you know, he gets you on the list. But pass it around. Bring a friend who might be interested in building a Sonics or just interested in, in light aviation in general. Um, it's right. a great way to ambassador and, and show off the things we love about flying small airplanes. Exactly. And then if you have some time, send Robbie a note and uh, sign up to do a little bit of volunteer activities, whether it's just setting up or helping with the cleanup or shuttling people around if you've got a few extra seats in your car. You know, just a little bit of pulling together makes everything work uh, so much easier and it goes a long way. So there's my pitch. Help us out. Contact Robbie, get on the list, volunteer a little bit and come out and enjoy a great Wednesday with us. Right. Yeah. It's, it's a good time. All right, Wayne. Thanks. And I uh, look forward to seeing you guys uh, here real soon. Uh, the countdown is, is ticking down rapidly, so it's going to be here before we all realize it. That's right. All right, Wayne. Thanks again. We'll see you soon. Sounds good, Jeff. Thanks for calling. Okay. All right. All right. Bye. Bye. So we just heard from Wayne. Wayne is a great guy. It's a great location. And if you are, are driving in and you have your own car and you don't want to put up with the general camp shoulder campground, this is a great opportunity to spend some time with some other like builders. So I really encourage you. And uh, you get a lot of international visitors that come and stay with Wayne. So if you like hanging out with our Aussie friends and people from South Africa and some of these other places that have these, these um, hot spots of Sonics activity, you're likely going to meet them there at Wayne's as well. Yeah, even yeah. New Zealand. Right, right. <laughs> yeah, even those Kiwis, you know, how they get 
Well, you know, they like to, to get out and do stuff, too. Yeah, it's always been a fun time to go over there. It's a different perspective. Again, you meet a lot of uh, current uh, old builders, new builders, potential builders. Uh, Wayne has been very gracious. This is a nice setup for us, and we certainly do appreciate it. Uh, the only sideline I might mention in there, we've talked a little bit about transportation, getting that arranged ahead of time. Uh, but certainly uh, bring a chair if you are able to. Uh, bring some rain gear if you have the ability to do so. And uh, almost by all means, uh, in any stretch of the imagination, bring some uh, mosquito repellent. Oh, <laughs> because yeah. they can be pretty fierce over there at times. But I tell you what, the night show, uh, um, I was there at the night show when they did the B-25 thing, and it was amazing because they're flying right over the top of you. Yeah, you cannot beat the perspective at Wayne's, uh, just hands down, and there's nothing like it anywhere else. Okay, and then, uh, John, I think we were talking about uh, the difficulty in moving from the main show side in the campground and Camp Sonics over to Wayne's. So run us through what seems to work well there. Well, you know, one year, uh, Sonics um, themselves had donated their van uh, um, with, I know Robbie was my driver, but he was driving the Sonics van and picking people up at the uh, museum if you're on the show side. And you just had to arrange to get, you know, to a muster point, and then they would take you over to Wayne's for the barbecue. Um, the last year... Uh, we had to arrange our own, and I think Carl was the one that we piled uh, 15 people in a minivan or something to get over there. Um, I think Uber now has gotten an establishment, and you could probably take an Uber from the show over to over to Wayne's, no problem. And that might be the simplest of all. If you, if you don't already have a friend with a car that you've coordinated with, uh, yeah, put in an Uber order and jump over there. I know that uh, last year uh, there was an Uber station right outside the camping area, and it was very active. So you just kind of you called your Uber, you walked out to the edge of the camping area, and a, a, uh, a you know a car would show up and ask for your name. So and that's I the airplane camping area we're talking about. I'm talking about the home built camping area. Yes, yeah. Airplane. So uh, Uber Uber is solving a lot of problems for us. Well, despite the difficulty, it is definitely worth the effort to get over there. And uh, as a last resort, you can always jump on the forums. Even during the show, get on the Wi-Fi and blast off a message that says, Hey, I'm looking for a ride tonight to get from point A over to Wayne's and back. And there's a good chance that somebody will see your message and, and start passing it around and, and find your ride. So, yeah, don't just don't just sit at your tent because you can't figure it out. Uh, reach out and, and do a little problem solving, and it's worth it. All right. Well, our next segment is with Bob Micah, and Bob is going to talk a little bit about some of those other camping options. In addition to camping on the field at Oshkosh or driving in and staying at Camp Scholler or some of the other things that people commonly think of when they think camping at Oshkosh, there are other options out there that might be worth considering. So I'm talking with Bob Micah, and he's going to run down some of these things that you might consider. And the first one, Bob, that I want to talk about is the dorms over at the University of Wisconsin. Right. Um, I uh, The first time I went to Oshkosh was in 1976, and uh, I stayed at the University of Oshkosh, Wisconsin. Uh, very nice place to stay. Um, I'll give you a couple of tips on staying there in a minute, but uh, 
they've got a great facilities. These are uh, mid-60s dorms for the most part. Very nice laid out. One thing that you'll want to take with you, whether you drive or fly, is a small fan with an extension cord because some years you have to have a fan on you to sleep well at night because the dorms do heat up in the in the sun uh, sunny days and you need to be cool at night. And even a little small clip-on fan that sometimes sometimes you see in offices is enough to move the air on you. Uh, I usually set up uh, my fan on one of the uh, dorm chairs that they have there. And the reason for the uh, small extension cord is uh, to adjust the fan. So that's really the only environmental condition that you have to worry about in the dorm. Yeah, they have other rooms that are air conditioned. However, right. if you want one of those, you got to get on the list. Like as soon as Oshkosh is over, you got to get on the list for the next year because they fill up super fast. Actually, it's it's more like the year before the the next year. They're that they're that uh, uh, rare. Uh, I, actually, I had a, a, a air conditioned dorm uh, once, and um, it was fine. But the air conditioners are quite noisy, and uh, I'm really more comfortable in a regular room with a fan blowing on me. So you might want to think about that. The, uh, the shuttle is a great idea when you uh, go and you'll go to the Grinhagen Conference Center when you either drive in and park your car uh, or you fly in and take the bus to the dorm. Now, if you get there real early, they only have a couple of buses running to the dorm before I think they start running the buses on a regular basis on Friday before the uh, show. One time I got there on Thursday and I had to take a cab. But other than, other than getting there really, really early, uh, they have a great shuttle system. Uh, the first uh, shuttle uh, leaves at 6.30 in the morning. If you've got a polished airplane like I do, I have to be there at the bus stop and get on the first bus to get my airplane wiped down so that it doesn't water spot. So I'm usually on the first bus, and there is a uh, – if you – the price of the breakfast in the uh, – restaurant there at the dorm complex is a little high. What I usually do is get up early in the morning, walk a block to a Hardee's, get my Hardee's breakfast. They open at six, walk back to the bus stop and catch the 630 bus. Now that's if you really want to get on the, on the field early and listen to the guy yodeling. So that's, that's kind of fun. Bob, the dorms are a great choice because oh, everything yeah. you need is right there. You it's have right good there. bathroom facilities. You yeah. have um, private rooms, there's there's usually two people to a room, so you're not in a large communal setting, so you have a little bit right. of privacy. You right. get your fan going, you stay cool. You have fast food you can walk to. You can catch the shuttle right in front of the dorm complex and take it. It drops you off right in the main bus transfer point in the parking lot where all the other buses uh, drop off. So it's an right. easy walk into the show. And they yeah. run them like every half hour or hour all day long, so you don't ever have to wait around that long. No, it's 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 very convenient. When you go into the Greenhagen Conference Center and you sign up for your your uh, room, get a weekly pass because even if you're there for you know two days or three days, the weekly pass I think it's twenty dollars, but it'll actually pay for itself and it's a lot easier than fumbling for exact change when you get on the bus. So buy the weekly pass. Um, the other dorm that I've stayed at, and uh, this is for those of you who drive in. The Ripon College in Ripon, Wisconsin, and if you fly into Oshkosh, everybody knows where Ripon is. Um, it's got very nice dorms, and it's got very good um, 
food facilities. Uh, the town is very friendly. Uh, they do run a shuttle. I've never used a shuttle from Ripon, so I'm not familiar with it. But the dorm itself is very nice. And uh, before I had my airplane built, uh, we stayed in Ripon, oh gosh, I think three or four times. And it was very, very nice. Um, so that's that's another one that's uh, that's a good option if uh, the uh, the dorms at uh, Oshkosh, and it's only about, I'd say it's 30 minutes down the road. It's not very far. Um, but it's, you know, I, I give it, you know, four stars. Yeah. And if you look at, you know, what are your housing options within a, a 30 minute drive radius of Oshkosh? Um, if you can find a hotel within 30 minutes, it's going to be a premium price. You're going to be paying a hundred, hundred and fifty dollars a night. And these dorms are usually, uh, they usually available even as we get close to the show and they're like 50 bucks a night. So that's a really good economical option. That's close in. Yes, it is. Um, uh, actually, um, uh, several years ago, my uh, uh, dad uh, came up and uh, they stayed at Beaver Dam, Wisconsin, which is 45 minutes away. And if you go 45 minutes away, uh, the the uh, motel rates are, quote, normal, unquote. So Beaver and Beaver Dam has a lot of motels. Um, anyway, getting back to dorms, uh, the other place that we stayed was a Christian academy. Uh, which I can't remember the name of it, but it's on the EAA list. Uh, it was very nice. Um, this was a communal kind of a uh, situation where you had cots in classrooms. Uh, the, the, that was the bad news. The good news was um, they've got um, free breakfast, uh, and they do have a shuttle, but the shuttle only runs like four times a day. So um, if you're going to be you know, there all day long and, and you can work around the shuttle schedule, uh, it's, a, it's, a good, um, it's a good thing. The other thing, the, the serendipity part about uh, this Christian Academy was uh, you're in a classroom and there's probably, I don't know, 10 or 15 guys in there. Uh, you get uh, to meet some people. And uh, that's uh, something that you don't normally get to do in a, in a situation. So it's, uh, it's, it's tolerable. It's tolerable. I, we only did that one year, and it was mostly because the shuttle didn't run as often as we would like it to. So that's something that you might want to think about if you want to. If you're driving and you're, you know, you're going to stay in town, well, it's it's a good viable option. Yeah, and you get kind of the hostel uh, experience. You know, you yes. travel and it's it's low cost, it's no frills. You get to hang out with the people you're staying with and right. just kind of enjoy a little bit of camaraderie that way. Right. Yeah. If you were going up there with a big group. That would be a lot of fun. You know, usually I go up with, you know, one or two people that I know, you know, whether they're flying or we're you know, driving up. Of course, I fly up now, but the last couple of years I've driven. Uh, yeah, it's uh, it's good. I know the the Oshkosh dorms are on the EA's website. These other ones, the, the Ripon and the Christian Academy, are they listed on that same EAA housing website or do you have to go someplace else? No, yes, they are. They are. They are listed. There's also another website, uh, the Oshkosh Visitors Bureau, and they have some other housing stuff on it. But the, I know Ripon and I know the Christian Academy is there. And you were saying uh, earlier about the YMCA. I think it's there, too, although I've never stayed there. Uh, all in all, uh, these options are uh, a lot of fun. They're very you know, convenient, whether you're flying or driving. Uh, if the, the thing about University of Oshkosh, Wisconsin, is... When I go there and I 
sign out, I actually sign in for the next year. Oh, there's one one thing about the University of Wisconsin I want to caution you about. There are dorms and then there are dorms. There are a few dorms that are without elevators. And one year I got into a dorm. I didn't get my reservation in quick enough. I got a dorm, but it was far away from the bus stop and it was on the fourth floor of a walk-up. And after walking all day long in the hot sun, you don't want to drag your sorry butt up four flights of stairs to your to your room. And then you got to haul all your stuff down the four flights of stairs. So you want uh, either Grunhagen or Scott. There's also a new, uh, when you look on the website, they, they will tell you whether or not they have uh, uh, elevators. So you want to get one with an elevator in it. And uh, you can request a hall when you make your reservations. And you want to do that as early as possible. Mm-hmm. Okay. If you're going to fly in and you're going to park your airplane, what's the best way to, to get from the airplane over to the dorms? Um, if you've got a home built, you go over to the home built headquarters and they have a courtesy van. These are the uh, Chrysler minivans with a cut down back and uh, they will take you to the bus stop uh, all the way there. And if you're at the air show uh, on the flight line, they'll take you there and it's, it's, you know, they accept tips, but it's free. And uh, it's for, that's where I uh, volunteers in the home built headquarters. So I see the van going all the time and I think they have two vans. So it's, uh, you know, if you've got some junk that you're hauling around and, you know, you don't, you don't want to make two trips. Well, that's the way to do it. Right. They're all, they're also, if you're uh, by the uh, uh, Sonics area, just walk uh, west and you will get on the main east-west route. That's where the uh, the shuttle services uh, run back and forth, and uh, they'll take you right to the uh, right to the bus stop. That shuttle at the home built headquarters building, uh, that's the way to go. Because if you fly in, you've got your bag with your overnight gear and things like that, and whatever you're not leaving in the plane, you don't want to carry that while you hike your way over to the main bus transfer area. What you want to do is you want to check in at the home built headquarters and then have them shuttle you over there. Yeah. And, uh, and yeah. that, that makes it so easy. And that, that kind of eliminates the last big concern that a lot of people have, which is how am I going to get my stuff to the room? Right. Right. Don't forget your fan. Yep. And it's <laughs> funny, uh, those vans are actually, they were, they were made by my chapter here in Kansas City, Chapter 91. So that's our oh, contribution really? to the thing. All right. That's good. That's yeah. Good. Okay, Bob. Well, I uh, appreciate that rundown. And if anybody is is concerned about trying to find housing, we uh, definitely can point you in the right direction. So you can send us an email and we can uh, help hook you up with, with the things that we know about. Okay, guys. Okay, thanks, Bob. And we'll see you up there. Okay, blue skies, everybody. All right, bye. So Bob covered a lot of those good options. One thing that he did not talk about is there are other options from private individuals. So you can go onto the AirVenture website and they'll find links to private housing options. There's also a link to the Better Business Bureau and the Housing Bureau there in Oshkosh. And this is where you find private residences that people are going to rent out. So if you want to do like an Airbnb or something like that, you can go poke around and, and find a, a private either a room or rent an entire house for the week. Now these prices are, are fairly high prices. But if you go in with five or six other people and you rent a house for a week and it costs you $1,500, well, when you break that up between all the people that are that are chipping in and you look at it on a, on a per-night basis, it actually works out to be a pretty attractive rate. So don't let that initial price 
throw you off. You just need to kind of bring enough friends to the party and it'll all work out. Have you guys stayed in any of those other lodging options? Anything uh, come to mind? Well, I've, I've stayed in the dorms that uh, Bob has talked about, and both Mike and I have. Uh, we flew in, we, we jumped on the shuttle, we got on the bus, we took to the thing. It's a, it's a great option, especially if you don't like camping on the ground. Um, but Bob is absolutely right. You have to have a fan to circulate air in those dorm rooms. Um, but one of the things you can do is that your Sonics doesn't have a lot of space. So, so just plan on spending 15 bucks at Walgreens um, when you get there to buy the fan and then you donate it back to the dorm room so that the poor freshman that's going to take the room after you will, uh, will have a fan. Yeah. It's not a lot of money and it makes your life simpler and you help the next guy out. Yeah. It's a good way to go. Gary, what, uh, what things come to mind on, on these other options? Well, you know, personally, I have not availed myself of those other options. You know, I, I, I love the, the Oshkosh experience and the Airbusher experience. Uh, I kind of pretty much prefer the full immersion. Uh, I want to be there in the, in, the, in the main camping area, whether it's uh, Camp Shoulder when I was driving and pulling a trailer for a few years before my Sonics was built. Or afterwards, when I started flying, I went to the home-built camping. Uh, I just eat that stuff up 24 hours uh, a day, seven days a week. And I just stay right there in the center of it and just kind of kind of rough it and, and, and hoof it a lot. Yeah. Well, yeah, and that's good. Uh, there's a, a variety of things, so you can uh, fit any uh, any circumstance that you've got. After this episode was originally published, I got some feedback from listener Don about the dorms. And I wanted to go back and, and insert a couple of comments to round out the discussion. So first off, he says the... Reservations for the dorms start on July 1st, not immediately after Oshkosh. So you can get your reservations in a little earlier than we initially anticipated. Probably a good idea. Also, he says there are plenty of, of air-conditioned rooms, and the rooms are in great condition. And that's really good to hear because the only times I've stayed in the dorms, I've never been able to get an air-conditioned room, um, so I haven't seen them myself. So it should be plenty for you. Regular rooms are $75, not the price. I think Bob said he, I think he said he thought they were 50 and uh, air conditioned rooms are 125 And then he has some other comments. He, uh, he mentions that the breakfast and the, and the dinner are all you can eat buffet and they're $9 and $15 respectively. The food is good and the menu changes daily and a few other things about the linens. And so you may want to just uh, bring your favorite pillow and blanket and so thanks, Don. Appreciate those insights. And um, I think that also it, it just kind of goes to show that this is an attractive option for someone who uh, is coming into the show and, and wants a, a really nice place to stay. Okay, well, the, uh, the next one I want to hit up is camping right there at the airplane in the home-built camping area. So we've been doing Camp Sonics now for the last several years. And let's hear all about Camp Sonics with last year's Unofficial mayor of Camp Sonics, Jason Flint. Flying to Oshkosh is almost synonymous with camping at Oshkosh, and especially camping at your plane. And one of the greatest ways to camp with your plane at Oshkosh is in Camp Sonics. So I've got Jason Flint here, who last year, Jason, I think you were nominated as the mayor of Camp Sonics. Jason's going <laughs> to explain what it is and 
some of the fun that can be had there. And we're just going to kind of peel this thing back. So, Jason, first off, um, thanks for doing what you did last year in getting Camp Sonic set up. Oh, yeah, it was my pleasure. It was a good time. Yeah, we kind of had a plan sketched out, and then we realized that, hey, we can get somebody there on the ground way earlier than anybody else, and then, you know, stake out our, our ground and probably not even have to fight off a horde of RVs for it. Yeah, there, there wasn't any fighting last year. I, uh, when, I, when I staked out a spot, I, frankly, I did my best. I think it was watching one of your videos from the prior year where you parked and having not flown in or or taxied in from that direction. I, I did my best to try to locate the same spot. I, I I understand we found a little bit of a different space, but it was it was still pretty good. And we had some. Uh, it felt like we were, I won't say isolated, but we had, we did have people surrounding us, so we had some room to to uh, uh, stretch out, and it worked out great. It was fantastic. Yeah, and the spot you ended up getting, uh, I think, is actually better because our old spot was right on the main footpath. And so all the traffic yeah. coming in was walking right by the noses of our airplanes. And so we were kind of back a row or two and we had the ditch at our back. So we didn't get a lot of people walking through Camp Sonics and it was just a nice, we were all consolidated right there. So perfect spot. Slightly quieter. And I really appreciated the fact that when I went to the, uh, the ground marshals a couple of days before people started arriving saying, Hey, we'd like to reserve a row for Sonics is they actually made it happen, which was great. Mm, good. Yeah. So for people that weren't there last year and are not exactly sure where Camp Sonics is located, let's try to explain to them where it is in relation to other known landmarks and how are they going to get there, whether they're walking in or whether they're they're going to land and taxi into parking Camp Sonics. Right. Geez. And I'll see if I can remember I, the, the Blue Barn, which I want to say is like their big chapter centered building for the EA chapters. We were directly or just about directly west of there and again there's a ravine that you can't miss and we attempted to back up or we did back up along it uh this past year and hopefully this year if we can uh, get there again it'll be great but you know all things considered the the home built camping is somewhat small enough that you know even if you show up and you don't quite see us if you wander around enough you'll you'll see a row of sonics is there and, and that's where we'll be yeah and we had a couple people in previous years who they weren't really sure where they were going so they just marshaled into the first available spot parked yeah. got out ran around found us and then we fired up their plane and, and brought them back over so that's always an option too or last year when we pushed, what was it, Bob, over, yeah, right. the, <laughs> over the bridge? <laughs> that was Operation Sneaking Past the Ground Marshals. <laughs> That's right. That great. <laughs> Complete with uh, distraction. Hey, Isaac, go over there and distract that guy. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> yeah, so we, the blue bar. Under my crook, we, 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 we fill up Camp Sonic, so don't worry about that. We'll right. <laughs> So the Blue Barn is um, is a relatively new structure. They they built it uh, the last couple of years. It's over in the Forums area. So if you if you orient yourself where you're facing show line, where you're parallel to the main show line where the air show is happening and all that, and if that's kind of forward, you know that's actually facing east. But if that's forward from Camp Sonics, you would be looking directly forward into the Blue Barn. Right. And we're kind of on the the. Uh, the north end of the field, not over in Warbirds, but you know, if if you if you were to kind of take a forty-five degree to the left, that would be pointing right at Warbirds. Right, and another way to look at it, if 
folks are familiar where the, uh, the the NASA building or that great big tent that they set up, if you look due north of the NASA tent and due west of the Blue Barn and you kind of draw those lines, that's basically where, where we were last year and where I hope we can land up, uh, end up again this year. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So that's how to find it. If you are taxiing in, you're going to make whatever arrival is in operation and they're going to start sending you over to the home built parking area. If they, once they see that you're in a home built of any sort, they're just naturally going to assume that you're going to want to either go to home built parking or home built camping. And that's fine because either one of those will get you in the right vicinity to, to taxi in to Camp Sonics. But the right. trick is you want to taxi down that long taxiway that goes right past the old home-built vendor area on your left and the Warbirds on your right. I think that's taxiway alpha. But you want to come down that taxiway almost all the way to the end. And then uh, there's a pavilion and a hard stand parking area for like big expensive airplanes and all that. And from there, then they're going to turn you into the left and start, you know, you can go down the individual rows of, of different home builds and you're just going to want to work your way back as a uh, as scene from that taxiway back to the left. Yep. That's right. And, uh, you know, what I did last year, what I recall doing, I haven't checked it recently, but when I, I posted to the, the uh, Sonics Builders website, when I got there saying, okay, we're in, uh, just to let folks know we've got a place for Sonexes. And later that day, I, I uh, also typed in what the road number was so that people, you know, if you happen upon a marshal, and I don't know if people have to shut down or not, but to say, this is where I'm at, or people who are familiar with the area, if they're taxing around and they see the numbers on the various rows, you know, to identify this is the road that we're in. Uh, and hopefully this year, whether I'm the first one there or somebody else is, uh, you know, if they could do the same thing just to let folks know where we're at. I think that'll be helpful for the group of folks as they're coming in. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Okay, so why would someone want to go camp in Camp Sonic? So let's uh, explain what the draw is. Uh, well, the, the draw for me and the reason I'll be going back is uh, the first uh I've only been up the air show out there three times. The first two times my son and I camped in Camp Shoulder and it was cool to be at Oshkosh, but Camp Shoulder, at least in my opinion, left a little something to be desired. We always showed up late in the week with a little tent. You're, you know, cram yourself in between two motorhomes with generators blasting 24 seven. Uh, whereas, you know, there's, Camp Sonics, you're there with other Sonics builders and other home builders, and we all got that certain something that makes us basically get along with one another. Uh, you know, to be there with your airplane, uh, uh, with like-minded folks, especially those flying the same sort of aircraft you have, you know, the, to, to me, it, it, it felt great. It felt like you were getting together with old friends when last year when I showed up, I'd never met any of you face-to-face. Uh, but there's kind of that instant, here we are, Rosonics, we're together. And even with home builders in general, uh, there's just that feeling, that vibe down there that's fantastic. And frankly, I think the facilities available to the folks in home built camping is better than the facilities that uh, are available in Camp Shoulder as far as the, the showers, the restrooms that are available. In the morning, you can go to the new pavilion that they have down there to you know grab coffee and uh, it's just it's it's a great you know kind of flavor to the experience, and you're right there, dang near show center, or at least you know the the home builders part. So it just it felt good to be there, and uh, I would miss it. You know, if 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 I ever have the opportunity to fly, in, I'm certainly going to take it. Yeah, and that's right on point. 
unlike just randomly flying in and parking in the first available spot, you'll get to know your your parking neighbors on either side of you and you can have some good impromptu conversations with them but there's not that that nexus that kind of draws you together other than you're all at oshkosh enjoying it in camp sonics maybe you meet some people that you recognize from the forum or that you've met in previous years you get to renew those friendships and you get to just have a, a conversation about something that you both share in common hey what did you do on your plane and how's your engine flying and just these are the conversations that are really fun to do sitting in a camp stool sitting around the airplanes and after the show is kind of winding down yep and the facilities are uh, excellent there in Camp Sonics because from our location, you have two banks of shower trailers that have hot water and, and privacy, and you've got porta-potties that are scattered around. You never have to walk more than just a few minutes to get to them. Yep. You have the the new pavilion where they do a couple of home builder uh, cookouts. They do a, a bring-your-own-beer kind of beer swap event. They do a corn roast. They do some other stuff like that. And then in the morning, if you're looking for coffee and breakfast, it's just a quick walk over to the Tailwinds Cafe, which, again, if you just sort of walk towards towards the flight line, yeah, in about five minutes, you're standing in the Tailwinds and you can get, you know, really large breakfast sandwiches and coffee and whatever else you're looking for. So it's just yeah. really easy and comfortable to be there hanging out with friends in a good location. Yeah, and the Ed Plus 2 is, uh, you know, I, I never felt guilty firing up my engine and taxiing out early in the morning when right. I had to go because we're all in the same boat, you know, and that's the kind of stuff we love. And so if that's your wake-up call, that's heaven, you know. Yeah, that's right. Okay, well, let's uh, give everybody just a, a few quick tips for how to make the camping portion of it uh, easier and more enjoyable. Maybe some packing tips or whatever. So I'm going to throw it over to you. What, what do you think yeah. you'd offer up? You know, last year uh, I flew in with my my younger son, and so the the passenger, you know, the pilot passenger seats were taken up. So it's what can you fit in the baggage area back behind you? And you know, uh, we we packed kind of the the bare essentials that we thought we would need: our our tent, our sleeping bags, you know, just a, a very basic change of clothes. And then what my son and I did is we walked over to the Target, which isn't that far away. It's just across uh, the northwest end of the field uh, a little ways and we purchased cheap pillows <laughs> to, to, to sleep on uh we we purchased socks and underwear for goodness sake uh no sense packing it in you can always fly it back out but you know let's, let's conserve space and think what are the, the the absolute essentials that you really can't purchase or find readily in oshkosh wisconsin within a walk of the airfield so that's the way we did it. And I didn't feel we were overloaded. I mean, weight and balance was fine, but it didn't also have the sense that, oh, my God, I have so much behind us. It, it felt controlled. And, uh, you know, it's it's a it's a decent sized Midwestern city. If you really need something and, and you know, you, you didn't bring it, you can find it there. And so that would be my basic advice. And bring fold up chairs, man, uh, pack it around with you because you're on your feet. <laughs> Everybody knows you're on your feet at that air show, and it's nice to be able to bring something that you can set out there and uh, take a load off for a while, especially enjoying the air show. Yeah, and that's what Isaac and I normally do, too. Uh, bring all the stuff that's, that's customized for you and that's hard to, to get, but all the easy stuff, your your food and your camping supplies, the target is right there. And you can catch yeah. the tram over there. You can walk. You can catch the, the little home builder headquarters uh, shuttle van and get over, over to the gate. There's a lot of ways that you can find your way over there. And if you have a, a case of water and you're trying to lug that thing back, they run a shuttle bus back and forth also. So it's yep. easy to get over there and stock up. 
And then if uh, if you find that you ended up buying a bunch of stuff and you just don't have room for all this stuff that you accumulated, there is a, a ground shipping place right on the show ground. So you can lug all your gear over there, drop it off at UPS, and they'll mail it home for you. Yeah, that's that's a nice option too. I mean, you know, we're space limited in our little Sonics, so you do you do got to be smart. But there's there's plenty of options where there's a will, there's a way. Yep. Okay. Uh, well, just a, a couple things that um, come off the top of my head. Make sure that you um, you have towels. You know, you you um, <laughs> you're gonna need some place to hang your towel and canopy up. So make sure you bring your your canopy cover and maybe a microfiber rag to to clean off the dew and the dust from a week at the show. Definitely have a camp chair. Either bring it or go run over to Target and buy one because every night we're going to be sitting around the airplanes just having a, a quick chat or recording a, an update podcast segment or something like that. So you're going to want a chair to sit back and relax in. And uh, if you're so inclined, um, you can stock up on sodas and water and other drinks or you can just uh, go simple and easy and not enjoy the, the festivities over there. Good advice. There's lots of ways to make it easy and painless. But the point can't replicate that experience. And so it's just a really, really memorable time camping there in Camp Sonics. Yeah, and I would just say, you know, anybody with the Sonics who's even toying with the idea of flying in, you know, it, it, the effort's worth it. I, you know, put out the word, uh, you know, and it, we'll, we'll make sure there's a spot for you. All right, good deal. I am looking forward to Camp Sonics. Uh, time is is rapidly approaching, so time to make sure the plane is in tip-top getting the stuff ready to go. It'll be here before yep. we know it. Sure will. Can't wait. Okay, Jason, thanks, and uh, good to talk to you again, and we'll see you up there real soon. Sounds good, Jeff. Thanks. Okay, bye. Camp Sonics really is a highlight for me. Uh, I enjoy seeing everybody. I enjoy having the camaraderie of having all of us together. And that's not to say that camping at the, at the car using a tent in Camp Shoulder isn't fun, but again, it's more of a an anonymous, you're kind of mixed in with everybody else. That has its own attraction, but you don't get to see all the other builders like you do centrally located. So John, uh, what are the things that come to mind when you're thinking back on our previous Camp Sonics experiences? Well, one of the things, he brought that up uh, pretty poignantly, is the Sonics doesn't have a lot of room for uh, bringing anything. Even a camp chair is kind of a tight squeeze in. Um, but you can grab, there's a, a Goodwill just north of the field, which is walking distance from the camping area. You can buy a bicycle from them for about 25 bucks. Uh, buy camp chairs for 10, strap them to your bicycle, ride them for the week, and then give them back to them at the end of the week. So it's like renting, but uh, it, it works really well. My son and I have done that, um, having a bicycle and camp chairs that we had no intention of taking home. Yeah, and I think that's another great option. Uh, the only difficulty with the bike is that you can't bring it into the show proper, so you just got to stash it at at the perimeter. Uh, but uh, throw a lock on it, it'll be fine. No, you don't even need to throw a lock on it because it, it's a $25 uh, Goodwill bike. Nobody's going to take it, so you just leave it against the fence. Yeah. If it's not there, well, you're fine. We'll just go find another one. Okay. Gary, any other tips for Camp Sonics? No, I think you guys pretty much hit it all. Um, 
use right on the spot. You know, don't worry about necessarily bringing a whole trailer full of equipment uh, in your Sonics. Uh, there's plenty of ways to scavenge things. Um, you know, if we were set up and we were setting up more towards the end of the week, there'd be a ton of free stuff right there at the home builders uh, uh, pavilion area uh, where people just donate uh, leftovers, their camping chairs, their, their drinks, their beers, you know, all kinds of stuff, and coolers. And you could just help yourself to most of that stuff. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I think if actually you came in late week, you don't have to bring anything. You can just scavenge off of what others have left. Yeah, yeah, they've already done it for you. Now, we talked about SOS Brothers, and uh, SOS is, is one of my favorite stops. They have live music every night. They have uh, a great little barbecue shack set up there where you can get various uh, chicken and, and steak and other dishes like that. The price is pretty reasonable, you know, especially for that type of venue. You know, 10 or 15 bucks will get you dinner and drink and uh, sit around the barbecue and listen to the music and, and just hang out. It's a great place to, to spend the evening and you don't have to go very far, especially if you're walking from the plains. Now, Jeff, you left out the most important Well, I part. didn't leave it out. I teed it up for you. So please tell us the most important part of SOS Brothers. Gary, Gary, I got to step in. I'm, I'm here to protect you. Um, the the uh, the purveyors of the alcoholic beverages and the barbecue are uh, they're brought in from outside of the Oshkosh area. And uh, I will just say that they are uh, stunning. So that's that's what they are a talented bunch that are earning money to put themselves through doctor school or something through through. uh, Yeah, (laughs) yeah, like nursing school, I think. Yeah, (laughs) I'm certainly glad you saved me, Mr. Gillis. (laughs) And if uh, always there for you, Gary, if you're in the area and you hear what sounds like an air raid siren and people rushing, you're probably going to want to follow the crowd and go see what's going on because something fun is about to happen. I'll just leave it to your imagination and you can go figure it all out for yourself. (laughs) Now, seriously, Gary, um, uh, SOS is one of my favorite spots and it's not just for the view. Well, seriously, it is one of my favorite spots. (laughs) (laughs) No, it's good. Yeah, they've got their own campfires there. They got the chairs. You can kick back and put your chairs up. Uh, You know, then it, as you need the the adult uh, cold uh, drinks after you know trampsing around miles after miles after miles in the hot sun on the asphalt, um, you know it's just a few steps to get another cold beer. So it does work out pretty well. You know I would have to say though if you're in the home built camping area and you you intend to try to get an early night's sleep, it's probably not one to have them because their audio system from SOS Brothers will just pretty much resonate through the area. If they don't get you, then the people over in the Warbird uh, area with their audio system will get you as well. So don't think you're going to turn in at, uh, at dusk and get a good night's sleep. <laughs> yeah, they, they they have been shutting them down by about 10 or 11 o'clock at night, which is you know nice for old, us old guys that want to – we're done by then. Um, but uh, they, they don't bleed into the uh, 2 a.m. period. Well, it'll be a good time. I'm looking forward to it again. All right, well, let's transition to some of the activities. And uh, to kick this off, let's hear from the Sonics Builders and Pilots Foundation about some of the things that they've got planned for AirVenture. So when you're on the campground and you're looking for activities to do, one of the things that you need to put on your calendar 
is the activities that the Sonics Builders and Pilots Foundation are going to be hosting at AirVenture this year. So really that comes down to two big ones. There's the, the member meeting where we get together and talk about the, the foundation and lay out the, the course over the next few months. And then the Builder Barbecue. So to talk about the foundation and some of these events, we've got Robbie and Mike. Robbie Culver and Mike Farley are the two guys that have been sustaining the foundation from the very start. They're knee-deep in the inner workings of it, and they're going to talk to us. So, Robbie, Mike, thanks for coming on and telling us about what's going on. Good to be with you, Jeff. It is our pleasure. Thanks for having us. Okay, so first off, let's talk about the barbecue, since that's the big thing. So, for those that don't know what the barbecue is, Robbie, why don't you lay it out for us? What is it? Where is it? When is it? And how do I go? So the member barbecue, we are extremely lucky to have a awesome host who invites us to his house, Wayne Daniels. He's a Sonics builder. He lives on the east side of the Oshkosh Airport, Whitman Field. Uh, and he hosts, uh, this year it'll be on Wednesday, July 24th, starting at 6 p.m., he brings us over for a barbecue. It's kind of a self-organized, self-funded event. Uh, this year, we're going to ask for a $10 donation, and it's a pretty low-key as far as, you know, formality. We're just going to do the burgers and brats and uh, some pop. Um, if you want to bring alcohol, you are allowed to, but you have to bring your own, and you are absolutely forbidden from driving because we don't want anybody to have a bad time at Oshkosh and get in trouble or hurt. So what we're doing is we're bringing together the community. It's proven to be a really popular, awesome event. And the bonus is that we get to watch the night air show from Wayne's Yard. And that is really cool because we get a different angle uh, of the night air show. And, and just it's a great opportunity to, to kind of get to where it's just Sonics people and you get to hang out and chat and you never know who's going to show up. And, and it's a lot of fun. This is really the premier opportunity to connect with Sonics builders all over the world because on any given year, you're going to have people from the Netherlands. You're going to have Australia. You're going to have uh, UK. You might have some South uh, African. You may even see somebody from mainland Europe, and you might see somebody from South America. So guaranteed there's going to be some international components. You're going to be able to talk to people all over the country that are either building or flying, and you're going to find people that you're going to see year after year, and you're going to make a, a Sonics friendship with people that you only ever see at the barbecue. Yeah, and it's proven to be long-lasting friendships, and that's the part I like about it. And the part that's really fun is that it is low-key and affordable, and we keep it we keep it at a, a Sonics level. We we all know that what what we're in for here is the the fun and the the camaraderie, and that's the part that, that really comes away is you, you get to meet people and, and network with them, and yeah, it's a it's a lot of fun. Yeah, the location is just absolutely premier. He has a beautiful hangar. We push the airplanes out of the way to make plenty of room. If there's inclement weather, we got some place to get out of it in. You have uh, plenty of space to set out some camp chairs and just kind of sit around and eat and mingle. And then just great ambience uh, getting ready for the night air show. It's just a, a perfect location. And, and the other cool part is where we're located, a lot of the show planes come and turn right over Wayne's hangar at a low altitude. And it's just, it's so cool to listen and see and, and sometimes even smell the air show. Yeah, the perspective is something that you just can't get anywhere else. And that, that is absolutely 100% unique to Wayne's location. Yep. Okay, well, um, Mike, I know in the past we've had some challenges just letting people know where, like how to get to Wayne's and how to help move people around. So what are we doing this year? First off, how do they get there? And then what can they do to 
to move themselves over there. We have logistically had uh, issues in the past where we've tried to set up uh, vans. We've tried to set up other means of getting almost a public transportation uh, method over to Wayne's house. And it's, it's, it's never really been met with very much success. Uh, there's been times we've actually had people take buses all the way to Basler aviation up on the North side of the airport and then pick up people from there. Uh, nothing really works all that well. I hate to say that. So it just seems to be the easiest thing to do. Uh, and what we are promoting everyone to do, uh, number one, you do have to drive there. If you think you can just walk all the way around the airport, uh, don't. That's that's a long walk, and it would be an even longer walk back. So uh, you, you will want to get a ride somehow. Uh, with today's technology, Ubers, Lyfts, any of those kind of options are always good. Otherwise, uh, just reach out in the first part of the week. Try to find a local builder, somebody who drove in, and see if you can bum a ride. Uh, we'll probably end up doing the foundation meeting before uh, Wednesday, so uh, or even Wednesday before the cookout. So if you get a chance, and you know, maybe we can try to make an announcement on there, try to link up with somebody that has a car, uh, and then get yourself there. Um, we don't want to leave people high and dry. We want to make sure everybody's there to have fun. And, but uh, you know, transportation will be on your own. Uh, you know, for those of you who drive and are willing to take some people from the flight line around, that'd be great. Uh, you know, for people who, uh, for those who fly in. Uh, otherwise, we'll just kind of uh, you know be talking about that uh, as the week progresses. Try to get everybody over there. At some point, we'll probably make an announcement on the forums as well, just to see if people want to try to link up and discuss that way. But it hasn't really been a problem, and it's kind of one of those things that if we just kind of let people. You know, frankly, figure it out on their own. Uh, it, it gets worked out, and people just uh, uh, get over there, have fun, and then get back later that night. So, no, it doesn't help much, but that seems to be what works best. Yeah, Mike, and really, if you if you know you're going to need a ride, put a message out on the Sonics Builders forum and just say, "Hey, uh, I'm going to here's where I'm going to be. I'm going to be wherever. It's camping at the plane or Camp Sonics. I'm going to need a ride." That's sure. The, that's the first step. Um, Swing by the Sonics booth, find another Sonics builder, ask them how they're getting over there, if they got a car. You know, they can maybe put you in touch with somebody else. If you just start networking, using the forums, using face-to-face contact and stuff like that, something will turn up. And then kind of keep your Uber and your Lyft as your backup plan in case you just absolutely can't connect with somebody. Grab an Uber and get over there. And chances are when it's time to come back, somebody's going to be heading back towards the campground or the dorms or wherever you're going. And you can jump in and get a ride back with them. It seems to work real well. I remember a couple of years ago, and Robbie, you can back me up on this as well. We actually arranged a van. We borrowed a van from the Sonics factory itself. And the intent was to pick people up at the museum, at the EAA museum over there, and then run people around. Well, by the time we actually got to the Wednesday evening cookout, I think everybody already had a ride. So you know, we kind of sat there and we kind of waited for people to show up and we were, you know, ready to take people around, but it just, that, that service was never really necessary. So people are, are happy to help each other. Uh, you know, rides are, you know, they're, they're plentiful. You can get them. Just like you said, Jeff, a little bit of networking either before you get to Oshkosh or even once you're there, normally we'll solve your problems and uh, you can get over there and have some fun once you're there. Okay. Now, you mentioned volunteering to help set up and all that. So what do we need as far as volunteers and how do people get involved if they want to contribute some time to making this thing happen? 
So there's a, a post on the sonicsbuilders.net forum that I'll be bumping up periodically before the uh, actual Oshkosh fly-in, and it's under fly-ins. So what we're doing is we're asking for people to, to just chip in a little bit of time, a little bit of effort. We need people to drive clearly. So there's some, some driver availability there that you can sign up and, you know, who, who's going to drive, how many seats you got. And then we also have people that are going to help Wayne and his wife, Kathy, who are the awesome hosts. We don't want to put it all on them. They want to enjoy it also. So we need help setting up, cleaning up. Um, and we need somebody, I think we've already got somebody signed up to be the cashier who's going to collect the money for the foundation and to make sure Wayne and Kathy get paid for the food. And in general, just, you know, if you're there and you see something needs to be done, you know, it doesn't have to be a formal sign up either. It's been a great community event that people have just made happen. Um, it was kind of a whim the first year we thought, you know, maybe we'll try this and it's really turned into a cool event. Yeah, probably the easiest thing is if you can spare to arrive a couple hours early, go ahead and sign up to help be on the setup crew. Show yeah. up two hours early or whatever, whatever that works out to, and just help move things around and get get the thing done. And if you are, you know, you're going to be available after the event to help just clean up and rearrange and take the trash out, then uh, just either sign up in advance or just tell somebody. Tell tell uh, one of the the folks you know managing things when you arrive. Hey, I can hang out afterwards and help you you know, get this place, uh, you know, turned back around. And, and that's really about all we need is just a handful of people just to say, yeah, I, I got a little time. Let's do it. And especially for those that are staying at Wayne's, because he opens up his doors to uh, allow people to basically rent a, a place to sleep. If you're staying at Wayne's, this is another way to kind of pitch in and help Wayne out. Um, plus, you're already there. So, yeah. Okay, well, going uh, backwards to the meeting, Mike, uh, can you just make sure everybody knows when and where and um, and kind of what, you know, what, what's the deal with the meeting? Yeah, absolutely. The Sonics Foundation was created as a non-for-profit entity through the state of Illinois. And one of the requirements to uh, keep that certification or status, if you will, is we are required to have a once a year membership meeting. Uh, we, through convenience and through, you know, just practicality, if you will, we've hosted it every year up at the flight line of Oshkosh. Location has never wavered, and it always seems to just work real well. We always have the meeting itself right behind the Sonics booth, right there on Sonics Row, if you will, where all the customer airplanes are based. Always a good turnout every year, always a good chance for people to kind of get together, talk a little bit, discuss the foundation. We try to go over and make it a two-part meeting. Uh, part A or Part 1 is the uh, necessary uh, discussion topics that we have to go over for that uh, non-for-profit organization, uh, voter uh, membership voting for board of directors and any other voting requirements that we have to do are normally taken care of first. So if you've attended the last couple of years and you hear Robbie or myself read off of the script, we try to read as fast as we practically can to keep things short and easy on that end. Uh, you've, you've heard that discussion before. But we get all that taken care of, the official meeting minutes, and then once that's done, it gives us a chance while everybody's there to discuss, talk about current events uh, in the foundation, talk about membership status, talk about future projects, uh, hopes and goals that we have as a foundation in itself, and just kind of gives everybody a chance to voice some opinions and talk about how things are going. So I don't think we've uh, officially decided the actual date yet. Normally, it's been either on a Monday or a Wednesday. We'll make that announcement here really, really soon. Traditionally, it's at 1130 in the morning. 
uh, right there behind the flight line, and it just seems to work real well. We get good attendance turnouts. Uh, the people who are voting members of the foundation, this is your chance to actually use that uh, voting privilege and and uh, help us uh, steer and guide the foundation uh, as people want. So hope to see you all there, and uh, hopefully there's a good turnout this year. And the one thing I'd like to add is that we, I was looking over the new changes that they're doing at Oshkosh, and I believe that they moved all of the uh, vendor booths for experimental. So we will make sure to be in the direct proximity of the Sonics booth. If it's oriented the same as it has been in years past, the Sonics towards the runway, and we would have the meeting right behind it. That's still the goal, but I don't think any of us know exactly where Sonics is going to be until we get there. Show up at the booth and you look for the crowd of people. So it'll yep. be pretty easy. Works yep. well. Yep. And as far as the timing, Jeff, um, we usually orient this around not conflicting with our obligations to meet with the EAA type club coalition, the TCC. So that's why we haven't established a date yet. Okay. All right. Well, we'll um, we'll put that in the show notes when that gets done. And okay. Well, um, yeah, guys, I. I, I share your sentiments. Um, let's get good from the members coming out to me. It's a requirement, but more than that, it's a chance to kind of connect with the others and let's put our heads together and figure out how we can continue to support the entire Sonics community and look forward to seeing everybody there. Yep, hard to believe it'll be here soon. So everybody, and hopefully uh, we'll all meet up there. All right, guys. Thanks again and look forward to catching up with you guys in person. Thanks, thanks Jeff. Jeff. Appreciate it. Okay, all right. Take care. Bye-bye. In addition to the Sonics Builder and Pilot Foundation activities, the meeting, and the barbecue, there's a number of things that I'm really looking forward to at this Oshkosh. So looking at the preliminary schedule, the headliner acts, and some of the focus areas, these are the things that just kind of caught my eye that, that have got me kind of excited. And then no particular order. So the Twilight Flight Fest. This is a cool thing. I've only caught it just once or twice because I'm always, I'm always over at SOS Brothers, frankly. But they do, right at dusk, they have an RC plane demo where they have these big giant scale aerobatic airplanes and they have smoke and lights and put on a nice little RC air show. They have the stole demos there. Um, and then they also have some PPGs and powered paragliders that are flying around right at dusk there. So a cool activity if you can find your way around dusk over in the ultralight area, go catch the Twilight Flight Fest. Of course, we talked about the night air show on Wednesday. They do another night air show on Saturday. So for people that are there late in the week, they get a second opportunity to catch that. A couple of focus areas. Uh, this is the 50th anniversary of Apollo 11, so there's going to be a big NASA presence, and they're going to be talking about the entire Apollo program and the Apollo 11 mission. So that ought to be really cool. If you have kids, make sure you take them over to KidVenture. Those are a lot of really cool hands-on activities. And for young kids, they're going to remember those activities. To us, they might seem a little bit, I don't know, uninteresting. They do a prop carving, and they do a, a little airplane glider construction and a wing rib station where you can build it. But I guarantee you, your kids are going to remember those activities far more than the air show or that super cool airplane that you were looking at and ogling over in the campground. They're going to remember the activities that are really designed for them. So take advantage of it and take them out to KidVenture. Moving along, they have uh, a big electric aviation and, and eVTOL with the urban air mobility focus. They're going to have a big focus area and, uh, and a display over at the Gateway Park. 
Of course, uh, several times during the week, they're going to do their stole demos, not just with the Twilight Fest, but they're going to have them a couple of times during the week. And that's a chance to see a lot of these airplanes that are competing up in Valdez, and they're doing these really just amazing short takeoff and landing demonstrations. And you're going to see five or six of those guys. These are the same competitors that are that are just kicking butt. Uh, planes like Draco and, and um, these highly modified Cubs that are just amazing to watch. So that's always cool to watch. And then all the normal Oshkosh Big Iron stuff. They're going to have military fighter demos with the F-35 and F-22. And so if you want to see the latest and greatest in military hardware, they're going to be flying those things off with the air show acts. The, the regular air show, they've got all the normal lineup. But the things that I think are really cool, Bob Carlton's going to be flying again several times in the subsonics. That twin Sukhoi, which is just a really oddball-looking thing with tons of power. just a It's a really interesting demo, so he's going to fly again. They're going to have the RV formation team, the Rocky Mountain Renegades, and just seeing a mass formation of RVs is, is pretty cool. And then something that I have seen in the past, but not recently, they're going to have a long, easy, doing acrobatic demonstration. So that's that should be interesting as well. And then the last thing is just kind of a, a tip. They have this Oshkosh app which uh, gives you some some geolocating services where you know where are you and what's around you gives you some access to the schedule so you can find when events are but it also has a text alert feature so if there's bad weather moving in they will send out a text alert through the app to let you know that something's coming so you can get back and button up the tent secure the airplane and things like that and it's a good good tip just to make sure that you're kind of plugged into the happenings there on the show so those are my things that I'm really looking forward to um, guys, what is on your list? What are you guys looking forward to? Well, Jeff, I'm glad you mentioned the app. The AA does put out a pretty good, nice app to use. Um, a couple of good key points about that. There's some geolocating reference uh, capabilities to those. So it'll help you actually locate yourself within the, within the grounds. And then it makes it a little bit easier on figuring out how do you need to get to the forums or the presentations or certain parts of the, of the facilities that you would like to uh, and so that, that's that's very helpful, too. Also, within the app, of course, they, they embed all kinds of information, uh, all the vendors that will be there that you can find. You can highlight those that you're particularly interested in seeing. Uh, you'll learn where they're located at, and the map will actually guide you there again, kind of with the geolocation services, at least if that's how they did it previously. Uh, as far as all the forums and events going on, you've got a time to peruse all that stuff usually several weeks ahead of time of the event. Uh, so you can kind of map out things that you might like to do. And fortunately, many of those those activities are repeated throughout the week because as you'll find, you know, there's a lot of conflict for your time. It, it's very easy to get overstressed and, and overstretched in particular uh, to make it on a particular day. But if you miss something on one day, you're certainly more likely to make it up on the next day. Uh, so download the app if you can. And you were mentioning the weather services that can actually go through your own individual cell phone and does not require the app to do. You can get text messages as far as weather, severe, uh, severe storms. And you can also get text and messages, too, about particular events uh, that's going to be coming out throughout the day, too, that, uh, that there might be something particularly interesting arriving in 30 minutes and so forth. There's another great way, too, to kind of keep abreast, I think, of what's going on in Oshkosh. And that's EAA radio. Uh, if you have a portable radio, uh, you can tune into them. If you have an earbud, you can kind of stick one in one ear. And you can listen to those guys doing the EAA radio with all their interviews. And they'll keep you abreast, too, throughout the day of what's coming and when to expect things. 
you know, the cool aircraft arrive when the demonstrations going to be going on. And also, then, as you know, they have a live uh, audio speakers along the flight line to try to listen to some of that, but it's a little bit difficult. And so if you have the access to do the radio, and some of our cell phones will do that as well, you can basically just plug in the ear set, and the earpiece acts as an antenna, and you can just dial in the radio station and listen to EA that way as well. Uh, so those are another couple of good ways, I think, to try to keep track of everything that's going on. You know, EA publishes the daily newspaper as well, where you can get all the activities, events, and forums, and presentations, and expected uh, air show events, and so forth. And those are always, that's one of the first things I always pick up early in the morning, too, and I'm kind of looking for my donut, or, you know, a quiet place to look, and kind of look at the airplanes, and see kind of what's going on, and figure out what my bearings are going to be for the day. Gary, you're absolutely right. There's going to be a lot of demands on your time. And so what I usually do is I look at the forum schedule and I find, I don't know, two or three different forums each day that look really interesting to me and I prioritize them. But on any given day, I usually hit none of them. And so on the entire week, I might hit two forums just because at the moment I I need to leave to go to the forum, I'm deep in something else that I didn't anticipate and I don't want to leave. So yeah, time management is the hardest part. There's always something that's just, this is so cool that you, you kind of get track lose track of what you thought you were going to plan to do. John, what are you looking forward to on the schedule? You know, I don't even, I, I originally I looked at the schedule and I tried to schedule out my time. So I hit all, all the forums I was interested in. Um, lately, I, I just go and, and go with the flow. If there's a forum that, dovetails to where I am at the show, I, I'll go to it. Um, there's just so much to offer. I think uh, you, you just end up going and, and just enjoying what you can hit. And if you don't hit it, okay, big deal. Just move on. Well, that may be some of our old-time experiences for those of us who have been fortunate enough to go there for many, many years. I remember when I first started going there, I, I was really particularly hitting up all the workshops on how to build something, whether it was welding or wood or, or, or fabric or stitching or, you know, whatever the case may have been. Uh, it was the hands-on kind of stuff uh, that I was really scarfing up heavy as I was getting uh, getting into experimental aviation and building my own airplanes. You know, now that we've kind of covered those things and we've built one or two or three or four planes for some, for some lucky people who have done that. Uh, I think I kind of agree with, with John a little bit more in this case. We just kind of just kind of follow the current, you know, see where the masses are going and see what's uh, what's the most interesting for the day and just kind of just sit back and just kind of soak up the atmosphere without having a, a lot of specific itinerary that we need to be involved with. And Gary, that approach works well if you're on the hunt for swag. And uh, that's a whole yes. hobby right there. It is. <laughs> Gary, you're probably better at that than anybody else I know. You come back with the coolest stuff. Yeah, he's a swag master. Yeah, got to scarf up the freebie stuff. I just can't find that free beer tent. I keep looking for it every year. (laughs) Well, I also should mention the uh, the craft tent, which is over by the by the home built uh, vendor displays and the forum tent area. The craft tent is a great place to go and, and just do something a little different. If you have kids or you have a spouse with you, uh, there's a lot of really fun activities over there. It's not just for, for women and, and kids. There's just there's interesting things that come up. And so it's a good time to, you know, if you have some free time to go spend a little time in the craft tent. 
All right. Well, let's hear about Sonic's aircraft, what those guys are up to, and uh, what we can expect from them at the show. So I'm talking with Mark at Sonics, and Mark, um, I know you guys are probably already looking ahead to AirVenture. You're probably already deep in the prep for it. AirVenture this year is going to be very similar to what you've seen in the past, except for one major change, of course, and that's the booth space. Um, EAA has changed the location of the home-built area this year, and um, so we're going to be uh, uh, moving and trying to get used to being in a new spot with a new view and a uh, new perspective. It, uh, it ought to be interesting. Now, based on the new layout, are you going to be right by the um, the show plane parking like in past years? Or are you going to be maybe a, a row or two behind it? We're going to still be on Whitman Road, which was, um, as you can imagine, super important to us in our negotiations with EAA about where they're going to put us. And, um, you know, it's been an interesting process between EAA and, and, and us and all of our colleagues in the industry, uh, getting this reorganization going. And, uh, there was quite a bit of nervousness, <laughs> uh, between, between us and our, and our, and our, uh, competitor businesses about, well, just what are we going to get stuck with? Um, but I think at the end of the day, we've got, uh, we've got a good spot. Uh, we are going to be, actually much closer to home builders headquarters um uh actually on the other side so on the on the south side of home builders headquarters than where maybe you're used to seeing us in the past um we'll be um um uh, right um down by the by the sky shop uh, so uh there won't really be um a lot of opportunity for sonics pilots to park adjacent to our booth anymore, or in this case now across the street from our booth, because we're, we're now on the west side of Whitman Road instead of the east side. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. Of course, we got to find a place to put the Xenos, because <laughs> that's not going to fit in the new booth space. So uh, that's going to be, we're going to get show up early and try to try to park it across the street from our booth um, across Whitman Road. Mm -hmm. um, and, but, you know, typically in that area surrounding home built headquarters, a lot of that area fills up quickly and some of it is EAA zone. You know, they've kind of handpicked the home builds that go in, in some of those places. So um, it'll be, it'll be interesting to see if, um, if Sonic's pilots can really find parking close to our booth. Um, and that's become less of a concern for us in the, in the recent years because there seems to be quite the um, quite the little tent city uh, been going in home built camping the last few years of Sonics pilots. I think more of the Sonics pilots flying in and migrating, uh, you know, been attracted to joining the joining the, the camping group um, over there versus uh, parking on the flight line. Yeah. Well, it's nice to be able to, you know, walk through the booth, see your display, and then walk at least a short walk over to where the main cluster of parking is. Um, over in the mm -hmm. campground, that's a bit of a hike from anywhere. You know, it's back kind of in the corner. Um, and people can certainly yeah. walk over there. I'm sure there will be a lot of foot traffic walking and through any of the clusters. But somewhat, you know, uh, reserved Sonics parking in the vicinity of the booth would be great to see. So I guess we'll have to wait and see how it all plays out. Yeah, we, we, we got to see how that goes. And, and we've got some, you know, we've been talking with EAA about it um, and just, you know, kind of waiting for good answers on on it um, in terms of where that could happen. 
Um, kind of keeping my expectations low for that at this point, to be honest. Um, but we'll see if, if we can get a more concentrated uh, parking area for people close to the booth, that, that would be great. We'll see what happens. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it'll probably work out. Uh, a lot of times it's just the marshalers. They they kind of look and say, well, this is uh, this is now a Sonics row. It didn't really start out that way, but it is now, and we're only going to park Sonics here. Yeah, and that's that's the way it was certainly in the old spot up uh, up close to Papa One Taxiway uh, where we were, um, and uh, you know that was kind of a standing reservation uh, now. But you know, last year, um, you know, again, I uh, we had a few Sonics people wanted want to park there, but most of them wanted to park in camping, and uh, and then there was a lot of pressure. Um, uh, for uh, uh, parking some some GA uh, people there because EA is really down on available parking, um, so that's that's part of what drove this whole thing. Uh, the move of booth spaces and everything is the EA's um, no aircraft left behind initiative, um, and they really see that as a safety issue. Um, the the less they can have people have to turn around and divert from Whitman Field. Uh, the, the better, um, you know, the, the less confusion in, in the NOTAM area and, uh, and the, the safer. And obviously, you know, the less people they disappoint and the people that want to uh, fly in and park at the show. Right. Well, as someone who's on foot patrol all week running around the show, um, I, I like the more centrally located display area. It's always a bit of a hike to get from the main Boeing Square all the way out to the, the home-built displays. And this is going to be a lot closer in. So I think it's a good move. Yeah, I think it's going to be um, it's a it's a change that needed to happen. It was kind of an inevitable thing. Um, the home build area was so sprawled out before. So now I think we're you're, hopefully what we'll see start to develop is a more cohesive um, community or village uh, for home builds, if you will. Uh, kind of kind of like what Warbirds has and what Vintage has. Um, and um, you know, hopefully it turned you know is kind of transformed into. You know, a little bit nicer looking neighborhood and, uh, you know, VA put some, you know, landscaping in and, uh, you know, they've got a, a home built, a new home built and review area, uh, directly across from home built headquarters. And, uh, so it'll be interesting to see how that all turns out. Yeah. Well, good. Looking forward to seeing it. What else do you have yeah. planned? Normally you do things like your forums and your factory tours and things like that. You open house. Tell us about what's coming up this year. Yeah, yeah, we're we're planning to do all the same stuff. Of course, the open house is a big event for us. That um, you know, especially weather permitting, if Sonics pilots can fly in on the Sunday before the show starts, um, that's our homecoming. We want to see uh, everybody show up with their Sonicses, and um, it's a great opportunity for us to see a lot of uh, airplanes. Some sometimes uh, customer airplanes that we have never seen before. Um, as finished airplanes. Of course, we see them all before they ship out as kits. Um, so that's always great fun and it's a great opportunity for people to uh, come here and, and meet the builders and see the airplanes uh, if they're considering a Sonics build uh, to kind of catch everybody all at one place. Kind of like uh, some of the grassroots uh, builder events and barbecues that are going on throughout the rest of the year. Uh, but of course, it's here at our home. It's it's the homecoming and our open house, and it's always a a, a fun day. So that's uh, Sunday, uh, right before the show starts. Uh, we are planning factory tours again um, with the booth move. The logistics on that are going to be a little bit of a challenge. And again, we're trying to work out just exactly what we can do for transportation from the booth to uh, to our headquarters um, in terms of where we stage all of that. 
um, and uh, uh, what we're going to do with uh, uh, vehicles to be able to move people back and forth. So some of that is still a little bit up in the air, uh, but we are certainly going to be doing tours. I guess uh, I would just encourage everyone uh, as much as possible to plan on um, uh, uh, meeting us over at our factory with your own vehicle um, and try to relieve some of the pressure on the uh, the available space for us to uh, ferry people back and forth from grounds because uh, that is a little bit of a question mark this year. Um, forums, uh, we're also taking a fresh look at and we're working on that right now because EAA needs our forum submissions and uh, just trying to figure out what forums have been the most popular and uh, which forums uh, maybe uh, would uh, have some of the most uh, new interest uh, in terms of you know, we, we tend to get a lot of repeat customers uh, sitting in on our forums, which is great, but uh, we're, we like to try to cover new topics, uh, maybe uh, address um, un, unserved areas of uh, where people might have questions with our forums. So we're, we're taking a look at that as well. Okay. And then what about people who want to pick up parts from the factory? Big stuff like engine mounts and cowlings and stuff like that. Yeah, we'll be doing that the same as we have every year. Uh, parts pickups are available either on the Sunday open house or uh, during the day. All of that is published on our website on the uh, the uh, the company events calendar. Uh, basically, uh, we're open in the mornings for part pickups uh, during the weekdays of AirVenture. Uh, we are uh, closed for that kind of activity on the Saturday of Air Venture and, of course, Sunday when no one is here, uh, period. No one's on the field. So, <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, so it's so the same as we have in the past. And uh, I would just, uh, as we say every year, um, place your orders early. Um, plan ahead. Uh, get them in now if you can so to make sure that we can have uh, those parts here uh, for your pickup. Uh, some of our parts are long lead time. Uh, we don't necessarily have everything on hand uh, right away. Okay. And then is that only at the factory or are you going to have stuff at the booth for pickup, like throttle quadrants and small stuff? Only at the factory. Um, so if you are planning to pick up something at the show, uh, you do need to come to the factory to come and get it. Okay. All right. Um, is there anything that we can expect that's uh, that's going to be new and exciting, or is it more of a continual, you know, work on your existing products and all that? Uh, I can't really say at this point. Um, yeah, I can't talk about it. Okay. <laughs> all right. Well, I guess we'll just leave that as an open-ended uh, question mark and come to the booth and find out. Yeah. Yeah. Come to the open house or come to the booth. And, uh, yeah, we may have something new to talk about. We may not, depending on whether or not it's uh, ready in time. We'll see. Well, see that, Mark, that's the, the most frustrating thing is you guys always have, you know, a dozen projects that are in the in the, the queue somewhere. It's just a matter of when they're going to pop out into the light. That's right. That's right. I can say that uh, there's nothing going on right now that really directly competes with uh, with anything that we're currently selling. So, um, you know, if, uh, if you've already kind of made up your mind on what you want to build and, and that fits your mission, uh, you're probably not going to see anything that's a real game changer uh, or, or makes you want to change your mind in terms of what you're planning to build. Okay. All right. Well, that's good. Okay. And then I guess the last thing is um, I, I think I saw an announcement about a, a sale going on right now. So this is Memorial Day weekend. And tell us about your sale going on. 
Yeah, we're doing the 10-day, 10% sale again, uh, like we did last year, February, uh, for our 20th anniversary. And uh, that was a, a really popular uh, sale event. And, um, you know, it doesn't necessarily always make the accountant happy, but it sure is uh, popular with the customers. And uh, so we're doing it again. Uh, it uh, started this Wednesday and uh, runs for 10 days uh, through the 31st of May. So So a week from today. The sale will be closed. Uh, you can place your orders online over the weekend, over the long holiday weekend, or give us a call, um, and uh, we'll be happy to take your orders. We're, we're discounting basically everything by 10%. The only thing it really doesn't cover is the third-party products. In other words, the things that we don't make and uh, don't have any margin on, frankly. So things like instruments, propellers, um, upholstery is a difficult item for us. We don't discount that. Um, obviously, PBS jet engines <laughs> are not, but uh, everything we manufacture, the kits themselves, those are all uh, on this uh, discount uh, promotion. Yeah, that's good. If anybody is um, hovering over a decision, might be a good chance to make your mind up and get an order in. Yeah, absolutely. We've gotten some interest, uh, including on some people who are already building on getting that next sub kit. Um, it was a brutal winter, as you all know, and um, I, I'm not even convinced it's really truly over yet. Um, but one thing I am seeing uh, is uh, I think people can dust the brush, uh, you know, brush the dust off and uh, uh, their projects and get going again. Um, so hopefully a little incentive uh, to get going again. Um, interesting, we've been seeing uh, resurgence in first flights again. I've got another one to post uh, later today. And uh, it's a good sign to me that people are finally uh, uh, coming out of hibernation <laughs> and in their projects again. Yeah, I think that's the kind of the natural. Some place where you have good winter weather, maybe the rules are a bit different. But for many of yeah. us, um, it's kind of like a you, you certainly can't get out and do a lot of flying in the winter. So you might as well get to the workshop. And if you can stand, get some building. And I think that's what a lot of people do. Yep, for sure. For sure. Yeah, this winter seemed to push, just put everybody into hibernation, um, whether it be building or flying. And uh, so we're, st we're starting to see uh, people wake up and uh, get some activity going again, which is great to see. Seeing you guys up there, and uh, I'll certainly be looking forward to the homecoming and um, seeing you at the booth. All right. Sounds good. Thanks, Jeff. Okay. Thanks, Mark. We'll see you later. So it's great to hear that Sonic's aircraft is staying busy and shipping kits and, and really uh, look into the future with additional development projects. I'm very excited to see some of those projects come to completion and see what they have in store for us. Whether that's this year or not, uh, that's anybody's guess, but uh, it'll be neat to see what they do come up with. I think this year is uh, really promising to be a great show. There's a stellar lineup already, and it's only going to get better as we start to firm up some of the details. I think that this is one of those things where, yes, it's a hassle to get to AirVenture. Yes, it's expensive. There are costs that have to be paid, but it really is worth it. It's worth the time. It's worth the trouble and, frankly, the expense to get up there. It's an environment that you can't replicate anywhere else, and it's something that's just going to juice you up and energize you for the, for the entire year. Gary, why don't, you, uh, why don't you give us some final parting thoughts? I agree with you. you know, I see AirVenture as, as a great motivational factor. Uh, again, if you're just starting to build and you're getting into the experimental world, uh, hitting all the forums and workshops that we talked about earlier uh, was certainly a highlight of my first few years going out there. Uh, but even if you even if you're a home builder, just seeing all the certified stuff and the 
and the, the stuff from from NASA, and of course the military is going to have a very very strong presence here this year again, as they typically do most years. But it, it looks like it's going to be a very loud year, if you know what I mean, uh, with some of these air demonstrations, particularly if they crank up those F twenty twos. So it's just it's just a phenomenal way to, to really get into it, get it back in your bloodstream, to really get you motivated to finish these projects, and don't you know don't let it drag out to be six, eight, ten, twelve years to finish a, a Sonics project. Uh, just kind of make up your mind, decide you know you're tinkered around enough with it. Let's just get this thing done and get it flying. Yeah, I agree completely. John, what are your um, your final thoughts as you look ahead to AirVenture? Well, you know, I'm, I'm every the last couple of years have been kind of ambivalent, uh, even and putting the effort into going. Um, this is the first year that I'm I may not be able to go uh, because I don't think I'm going to have my B model ready, and Gary is not going to give me his right seat uh, because he wants to take one of his kids. Can you believe that, Terry Venture? So. It, it, it just really is dis- discouraging. The last five years, I've been eight years straight to AirVenture. The last five years, I've flown my own airplane. Um, I don't want to break that cycle. Um, but every year I go, you know, it's it's AirVenture. I've seen it all. I can do it all. But every year I come back and I go, yeah, that was worth it. So I don't know. It's just this year, if I have to go commercial, I might. I don't know. Yeah, I, I I totally get it, and um, you, you kind of get the just the, the the reality of life, and you got all kinds of things that are competing for your time and all that. But at the same time, if you don't make it, uh, you really kind of feel like you missed out. And when you do make it, you feel jazzed up and ready to go for you know for another round. So yeah, and and I don't have to fly in myself. I I could fly commercial, you know, to Milwaukee or Chicago and drive up. I don't have a real problem with that. It's just. It is a cool place to be, and I got my buds there, and uh, you got Sauce Brothers and Gary. I mean, come on, right. Sauce Brothers and Gary, can you have a better <laughs> evening? It's tough to beat. Yep. I, I, I really agree with that. Yeah. Well, I'm looking forward to seeing you all up there and uh, and hanging out, so it's it's definitely a highlight of my entire year, so yeah. I'll tell you what, guys, I'll even buy the first round for you. Well, that makes it even easier. We will be there. <laughs> yeah, but we'll have to drive you home in your little stupid co- scooter. That's okay. <laughs> all right. Well, good deal. Uh, thanks for helping running through all this stuff. And uh, thanks to all of our guests who, who came on at various times over the last uh, week or 10 days or so and recorded some of these clips. Uh, it would have been impossible to try to pull everybody together in one episode. And I think this worked out pretty well. I will point out that if you go back to episode 39, that was last year's pre-Oshkosh episode, we talk about uh, a whole variety of other tips on how to go and do Oshkosh like a pro, and uh, some of the same stuff we cover, but this one was really focused on uh, flying in and and some of the tips for that. So you can go back and re-listen to 39, and you'll have a double dose of Oshkosh Pro. All right, guys, I think that wraps this episode up. And I will just say that, uh, as usual, you can find this episode on the website and the show notes directly at sonicsflight.com slash five nine. You can listen to this, the episode directly on the webpage, or you can find us on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, all those other favorite podcast apps that you might have. 
You can find our feedback email on the website or send it directly to feedback at sonicsflight.com. And we will be posting regular updates as we run up to Oshkosh on the sonicsbuilders.net forum, talking about camping locations and, you know, transportation and, the, and as the times and all that fill in. So make sure you go back and hit those up as we get a little closer. And with that, I will just say uh, it's going to be a great summer and it's going to be capped by a great Oshkosh this year. So I can't wait to see you all there. You guys have a great weekend. Good luck on that vinyl wrap job. And uh, I want to see the pictures when it's all done. I'll post them. Well, you're going to see the Zenith at Oshkosh. Oh, yeah. But I uh, I just want to see how the uh, the vinyl wrap goes. I, I don't want to have to wait and see it in, you know up there. I want to see it ahead of time. Okay. All right. <laughs> all right, guys. Have a great weekend. And we'll talk to you again soon. The views and opinions expressed on the Sonics Light podcast are those of the hosts and guests alone and do not necessarily reflect the views of any individual, company, or organization mentioned on this program. Nothing presented on this podcast should be construed to be the official position or recommendation of anyone not directly associated with Sonics Flight. Anything that sounds like advice should be carefully considered before being implemented. Remember, you are the pilot in command.